Welcome back, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Network Show, where today we're going to talk about the U.S. Open. It's here, the final Grand Slam of the year. It's on hard courts. It is, in fact, not the last big hardcore tournament of the year. We still have Indian Wells in a couple weeks, folks, so hold on to your hats. But it is the last Grand Slam. Spread, how are you feeling at this point of the season? Are you ready for the final Grand Slam? Does it feel like we're approaching kind of the end of the year, or, or, or is this too soon? No, I love it. I love the American swing. I get to watch them all rather than, you know, the matches starting at, at, at 2 a.m. So starting at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. is much nicer, and I'm pretty excited. <laughs> uh, although, man, I think this is a tougher U.S. Open than usual to handicap, but we'll get into that. How about you, John? Where are you, how are you feeling about the tennis season? I know it's been kind of an up and down, a rocky year for for you. Are you just ready for it to be over? Or are you wishing we'll have some more tennis here? I mean, how are you feeling now as we're on? the eve of the U.S. Open. Oh, I, I love it anyway. I mean, I feel like my life is five years shorter after Katie Bolter's win yesterday. Uh, and then uh, Baez losing today against Eubanks, despite having a set lead and being 15-40 up uh, on his serve at five all in both the second and third. But it's tennis. We love it. Uh, we deal with the grind. We know the variance is going to hit. It's just if it could hit a little more on the positive side, that would be a little bit nice. Uh, but you also had me a little sad there about last – uh, slam, but we also have the World Tour Finals. It's not just Indian Wells. We've got true. lots of big hardcore tournaments still to go. I'm pumped. We still have lots of time to uh, to enjoy some some quality tennis. And then our offseason is only a month. It's not like you guys were talking NBA and prep. I don't have to wait three, four months like you guys do for the NBA <laughs> to come back. I get a month off. I'm going to Europe in December. And then, boom, right back to somewhere in January. Probably not Australia because let's not talk about Australia. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Let's just keep focusing on what we have now. And that is the beauty of tennis, folks. 11 months a year. Pretty much 365 days a week. But this week, this fortnight, for the next couple of weeks, just about everybody is in New York City. Queens, technically. They call it Flushing Meadows, but it's Queens, folks. Don't be too confused about that. We'll start with the men's draw here. The first quarter, our number one seed, Novak Djokovic, is back after a brief reprieve from tennis um, to get recovered and ready for this event. As we start to look at the quarter, as you can say, with a lot of these men's draws, there isn't really particularly anyone that scares him. But I think we can say that even more so than normal. You know, a lot of times there's been somebody like Rublev or, or maybe Sinner's been in his quarter a couple times. But as you start to look through here in his top section, you know, maybe unless Kaney Shikori reaches back in the time machine or, you know, Fritz or Demonauer, somebody gets really hot. Karatsev finds that form from earlier in the season, which, again, it's – I'm really pulling stuff out of, out of deep in my bucket here, John. I mean, is there anybody that can kind of knock Djokovic off in this top section? I know there's a name you like in the bottom, so but even overall from the quarter, I mean, what do you think? Is, is it can anybody beat Joker here? I mean, it's Djokovic's turn to lose. Uh, the, if you're going to bet against Djokovic, I think you have to almost talk yourself into he didn't look great at the Olympics. And he's always struggled at the Olympics for some reason. I wonder, like, Serbians have a very, very rich pride to their kind of, you know, the the their – ethnicity or the, who they are like i know plenty of serbians here same thing like they're very proud people and i wonder if the kind of weight of his nation weighs on him and it's all speculation at this point but that's all we have it's it's baffling how he's struggled so often at the olympics um other than that though like that's your only talking point that you can really rely on even last year when he lost um it was by default although Carreño Busta kind of forced him in that default he frustrated him so much to the point where he turned and fired a ball that hit a uh, hit the line judge so uh, no, I don't think that there, there's anyone in this section that's really troubling. Uh, it, on, in the quarter as a whole, uh, Hubert Hercotch is the name I like. You you alluded to that. But I don't like him to beat Djokovic, and I'm not going to take him in an outright or two in the quarter 
uh, way. I'm going to try and attack that different ways, like a rollover parlay through the first three rounds. He's $1.90 or minus 110 to reach the fourth round. You look at his section, and off the top of my head as I as I pull up the draw, I believe it's something like uh, Sonego, Qualifier, Kudla, Jere, Fukshevich, Seppi, and Garasimov. I, I really don't see who troubles him here. Sonego is, is, has the game to not just play on clay. We've seen it. He's got the serve to rely on. He's, he's not just the typical clay court Italian. But at the same time, he hasn't been great of late. And I just don't see in that section who's going to stop Hercatch from reaching that fourth round. And then furthermore, um, I think where I will play the outright and not the rollover is to win the quarter, to reach the semis or to win the quarter, I believe, or the section to reach the quarters. Apologies. Uh, it's two, uh, 3.75 or plus 275. Um, this is where I would take the outright, not the rollover, because the rollover would be contingent on Matteo Berrettini being in that uh, quarter or fourth round matchup. Gosh, I'm getting confused with the round numbers. Uh, stupid grand slams and there's seven rounds. But I don't think Berrettini gets there. He's got that shoulder issue. He did not look great in his only tournament since Wimbledon in Cincinnati. He struggled to get through Ramos Vignolas, who was no hard quarter, especially on a fast court like Cincinnati. That is something he should have uh, swept through easily, needed three sets. And then he lost relatively comfortably to Felix Ojeda-Yassim, who, of course, he beat at Wimbledon. So huge question mark there, and I'm not banking on him winning three times in best-of-five tennis if that shoulder and, the, and and isn't holding up and the serve velocities are down. So I'll look to play Hercotch on a rollover through the first three matches on the money line, try to get that above $1.90 in the to reach the fourth round, and then I'll look to play the to reach the quarter outright market as opposed to rolling it over for an additional match. I might roll it over, too. I might just double down. If Berrettini's not there, why not? I mean, it's even more likely he, uh, that, that'll cash. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, what do you see here, Spread? Can you think of anybody that can upset the apple cart here from uh, Djokovic at least making the semifinals? No, he's making the semifinals. I mean, the only thing I'm really doing with this quarter is I'm just getting ready to tweet out that Jensen Brooksby's overrated if he loses to Novak in the fourth round. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for that. That's very exciting. <laughs> and it's tough to find ways to back Novak, obviously, in this tournament. He's minus 700 to win his quarter, you know, which ends up being, you know, like 1.0. Pretty close to 1.01. I'm sorry, ugh, I'm looking at the wrong number here. 1.01, 1.02. Really, at the end of the day, um, he's minus 150 or 1.67 to win the tournament. It's hard to tell you there's any value in that again, given that he hasn't played tennis in a little while, and you know historically he's uh, from time to time done a silly thing or two to get himself disqualified. But it's Djokovic's quarter here in the first. Let's go on and see if we can find anybody else. The second quarter, to me, does look a lot more competitive and interesting. Alexander Zverev is in fine form, but runs into a quarter where there's a couple names here, like Yannick Sinner. He's going to have to beat him to get into the quarterfinals. And we see Pablo Carreño Busta, who, you know, again, something we talk about quite a bit, Spaniards being underrated on hard courts. He is, you know, kind of the poster boy for that, given his success at this tournament, let alone hard courts in general. I know that Nick Kyrgios doesn't think of him that way, but I do. Um, what do you see here, Spread? I mean, in Zverev's quarter. Is it Zverev's quarter, or can somebody knock him off? Yeah. So when it comes to this, and you know that usually as a podcast, right, we try and stay away from this stuff. I knew those But I, I don't think – you ha we have to talk about the allegations hanging over his head. And the reason we do is because there's precedent with him bothering him before, and I'm – John will know the timeline better, right? But I think it's the beginning of 2020. He splits with his manager, plays terribly, and then three months later says, well, hey, I had all this stuff going on, you know. So that's my main concern with Zverev here. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't know how we handicap it. Did he learn from that last experience? Is this just going to be just as much Definitely of an will issue? Definitely be a distraction. Yeah, so 
Uh, I wonder I if the crowds he... go after him. Pardon? I wonder what the crowds do do with it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, think it's true too. Be, yeah, I don't think he's going to be very popular with the crowds. Uh, I don't know if that's. I don't know how much that's actually going to affect him either. Um, I personally like uh, PCB to come out of this quarter. Uh, what did you guys think of that look? I don't know where I was leaning. I saw you nodding too, John. The problem is that second match is so tough. Mm-hmm. If it is indeed either way, I mean, I think he's just way too rock solid. If Basilashvili were to come through, speaking of someone who had problems after the exact same allegations against him and he and someone who started struggling after being accused of that, there is another example. Like again, you're right. I'm not like there's there's already enough people rushing to to you know be the good guy and 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 slander Zverev's name. I don't need to do that. We don't need to have this podcast. But you're right. It has to be talked about because when you're handicapping tennis, that is a, a kind of qualitative factor that could factor into his chances to win and thus his probabilities, and thus his pricing. So it does have to be discussed. I'm not going to do it in a way that is, you know, the typical uh, virtue signaling uh, way that most people are. It's not my place. I don't know the facts of the case, whatever. But I, I agree with I agree with Spread here. The problem is Corda with PCB could be in that second round. That's a that's a huge, huge roadblock. You want to talk about crowds as we transition from someone they're not going to be behind to someone who they will be behind in New York City, the young American Sebastian Corda. So, uh that's my only concern here in the second quarter. I, I do think this is a good spot for Zverev if he can keep focused on the tennis. And I'm sure the, the press conferences aren't going to help because he's he's a big enough player that he's going to have to do one after every match. And I am positive, even though he said, tweeted today that he's not going to speak about it further, he's going to be asked in every single presser about it until he answers something, right? Uh, so it's just that that's going to hound him. But, I mean, you look at the seeds here. Yannick Sinner is probably the biggest threat to him. Still not sold at him on a hard court to, you know, win five, six matches consecutively, four or five matches. Um, but, yeah, I would say PCB has a good shot if he can get by Corda. That's such a tough – and one of the better second-rounders. It'll be underrated. People aren't, may not talk about it as much because they're not two huge names in the sport. But for those kind of tennis hipsters, that'll be a, a really fun match to watch. Yeah, I can't see PCB, obviously, you know – beating Djokovic if he comes out of the quarter. So this is another spot where you're looking at the derivative markets. His quarter price is right around 8-1. to one. And like you said, John, I mean, if quarter comes out and looks really impressive in that Basil's-Vieli match, maybe, you know, try to cover your stake there because once he does get past quarter, there's not really anybody unless maybe Massetti gets hot. I mean, could Opelka serve his way through? Again, I feel like I'm kind of reaching deep for stuff here. And then he gets, you know, the winner of, I assume, Hatchinov shapovalov but again, I like him in that match, so I think I am going to sprinkle a little bit on him at eight to one to win the quarter. I think that's a nice look. Yeah, I mean, and Opelka is an interesting name you brought up. Forty to one with that serve, we saw it in in Toronto, or I should say here. Um, we saw it here where he it could carry him through a bunch of matches, and uh, if, if he can serve really, a forty to one is a huge price to win the quarter. That's in the quarter. Wow. Yeah, forty to one. It's that's a huge price in a quarter full of kind of lame duck seeds, if you will. Uh, he's also in the opposite side of Zverev, so you get an additional match where you don't have to potentially hedge. Uh, Shapovalov is far too streaky. Uh, Hachinov, again, streaky player. When he's in form, he looks great. When he's not, he looks terrible. PCB's tough in that section, admittedly, but he won't have – like Sinner – you don't have to look at uh, Sinner or Zverev. It's one or the other. You don't have to think about him having to go through both those guys, and those are the two favorites to win the quarter. So he's opposite the two favorites to win the quarter. Is guaranteed to only have to play one of them should he advance that far. 41 is a big number, all things considered. So I hadn't I hadn't had it on the radar until you mentioned his name. I'm like, I wonder what his price is. And I'm looking at 365. It's, yeah, 40 to 1 just to win the second quarter seems like a huge price for someone who can serve his way through two or three matches. Hey, I'll put a pin in that one. I, I'm going to circle back to that one. Um, any other thoughts here, guys, in the second quarter before we jump into the bottom half of the draw? Nope, let's jump on. 
third quarter, Mr. Rublev there at the top, the second-place finisher in Cincinnati, the bottom of the quarter, Stefano Tsitsipas, who continues to struggle in his life post a French Open final loss um, up two sets. It was kind of tough. Um, we've got kind of a French section down here at the bottom, which I thought was kind of fun. They put Manorino, PHH, uh, Rinderneck, um, Umbert, and Benoit Pair kind of all in the same little area. Garen's also in here. We see Felix auger Aliassime. Tashem RBA isn't playing better. I kind of like where he sits, but this yeah. looks actually kind of like a nice spot for Rublev to get into the quarterfinals here and possibly advance to the semifinals playing some good tennis. I mean, what do you guys think? What do you think of this quarter spread? Yeah, R I thought RBA had a nice path, but like you said, the current form uh, makes him tough to back. Um, FAA is always fun. Um, I think he can give Rublev a good match if he's able to get that far. And uh, Rusevori is one that I don't think can win the quarter, but I think he kind of upset the apple cart and maybe knock off a couple of those players in his sections as an underdog. Yeah. Huh. What do you think to your John? What are you seeing in this quarter? Well, that's what makes it so tough. Not just the form to back RBA, but you go from Nick Kyrgios in your first round of a slam is never easy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're going to go to potentially Emil Rusevori, who's in fine form and likes quicker courts. If they're on, they will be on an outside court. I would imagine in the second round, the quicker courts on the outside courts, you know, that is something that's going to be tough. He likes them quick as well, but Rusevori also kind of an indoor quicker court player. We're seeing it in Winston-Salem. He's making a run now. He's playing this week. How does that affect him as a young player going deep in a tournament? Does he have that kind of experience built up to, to carry that over? But again, it slams. It's not such a big deal with uh, the days off between matches. So, uh, yeah, really tough uh, to back Bautista Agud in any, in any capacity. I think Rublev has a beautiful run, right? I think this is a chalky quarter. And if you're if you're going to play the chalk in this quarter, um, I would think you would want to go with something like to meet in the tournament market and you take yes on Rublev versus Tsitsipas quarterfinal. You could also just parlay them each round on their money lines for the first four rounds and see where that gets you. But it's plus 333 or 4.33 at bet 365. Really intriguing market to me. I think of all the quarters, they do this with the top two seeds in every quarter. Uh, I think this is the one where it's most likely to happen. So if you're looking for upsets along the way, I don't know if this is the quarter you'd be looking to pick necessarily. Uh, also, uh, we talked about Hercotch earlier. I want to go back because the prices have changed. It's now even money to reach the fourth round. So that's better. Uh, and I also had one who will go the furthest, Rude or Hercotch. Hercotch is now plus 137 or $2.37. For someone I have as the favorite to reach the quarterfinals in his section, to get plus money to that to that point is uh, is really intriguing, especially when his head-to-head matchup is Casper Rude, who is susceptible to uh, an upset on hard courts at any point. Yeah, I like Rublev. I just think in general he's value. I'm going to take a little bit of him, 28-1 to 1 to win the tournament, given his position to win this quarter here. Um, also to win the quarter as I look down, what was he, plus 350 or three and a half to one. Both of those look like solid numbers to me, and I'll look at some more derivatives, but really like his section and his start. And again, given the struggles that Sitsipa has had, and, and there are some names here. You know, Garen, I believe, has done well here before. We'll see what some of these other guys can do. But I, again, I do expect Sitsipa to be there in the quarterfinal, but I'm happy to back Rublev now and later if it happens. And we are going to talk about first-round matches a little bit later, but no, nobody checked this one off. Mr. Caulfield asked, any thoughts, guys, here on uh, Murray and Sitsipa here? I mean, we have talked about Sitsipa being a little bit down, but can he really take um, that kind of big of a nosedive here and get knocked off in the first round? The odds say it all, and I think the odds are actually accurate. <laughs> like, it's, it's like a 90, 93, I think, to 7% chance. I mean, Murray's just not athletic enough anymore to deal with Sitsipa's. 
Yeah, best of five is really tough there. So, you know, maybe take Murray to win a set or two, some fun stuff like that. Bet him to win the first set, something like that. That could be fun. I don't mind overs. I mean, Murray, you know, Murray's going to come out and give a great effort. And, you know, there's and he's got a, a, a breakers. And a sneaky serve in Setsy Pass's lack of ability to return better than it was maybe a year and a half ago or, or 2019. Um, but it's still it's still lacking a bit in that backhand. And Murray's a very he, like Murray's a very smart player, right? He, he doesn't have the biggest weapons for the baseline. Has a decent serve, but it's his it's his brilliant way to build points and his tennis IQ that has carried him to three Slam titles, a World Tour finals, two gold medals, a Davis Cup, five Aussie finals, etc. That you know, first belt Hall of Famer. Um, so before you know, I, I seem like I'm an anti Andy Murray guy. I think he's a very very like he's first ballot Hall of Fame and he's one of the all time greats, but. Um, so he could very well tactically hold serve a ton, like you said. I don't think he takes the match, uh, but it could be a fun one. It could be a fun one to watch. I don't think it will be. I don't anticipate it being a fun one, but hopefully uh, it's better than I than I expected. And yeah, I said, first well, when you on, on a stream I did yesterday, when, when you talk about Murray and you said best of five, I think the telling thing here is him making the third round at Wimbledon was a big surprise in a pleasant way for his fans. If making the third round of a slam is a pleasant surprise – what on earth gives you hope he's going to beat someone like Stefano Tsitsipas, who's firmly entrenched himself among the elite on the men's tour? Makes perfect sense. Let's jump into the first fourth quarter. Mr. Daniel Medvedev coming off a loss in the semifinals to Rublev in Cincinnati um, just after winning the tournament there in Toronto. Um, always a, a, I'm sorry, always a threat to win any hardcore tournament. You start to look at this quarter, and it's kind of similar to Djokovic's in that there are some interesting names here. He might have a tough match or two, but it might even be easier than that. I mean, how many matches till he loses a set, John? Maybe the third round, if Chilich gets there and is serving really well, he takes a tiebreak. I, I don't think so. Um, realist, like, what do I think? I don't think he he would lose a set till at least the quarterfinals. Um, and then again, it would be like an Isner or Chilich winning like a tiebreak if they if they get to to their point to play him right that's the best answer i have for you i don't know you're right it looks really simple like three nothings for the first few rounds rolled over probably gonna degen on that a little bit now we'll get you talk a little bit about that outright price in a second but first spread what do you think of this quarter do you can you see anybody knocking medvedev off and then we'll let john talk about the price a little bit i mean medvedev section is just <laughs> you know how easy how easy is that i mean i don't know i'm not a big believer in poprin um dimitrov it's really more of a name than an actual threat at this point. I guess Dan Evans can get hot. I mean, Celix won here, what, that's like six years ago now? Um, so I think Medvedev's got a very easy section. And then whoever comes off the top will probably be his first challenge. Um, but even then, I don't really think it's that stacked, right? I mean, who are we expecting? Isner? Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Isner or Rude? Like, that's not that tough a match for uh, for a potential quarterfinal, so... Uh, I think Medvedev got a pretty nice draw, all things considered. I think something else to look at here is his his fitness, right? He's one of the fit players on tour. It's going to be big in heat and humidity. That's going to you know be 31, 32, 33 degrees, but feel like 40. Or in Yankee terms, I guess that would be like a, uh, 90. 90s and very sticky. Feeling like in the hundreds. Yeah, exactly. So that's something to watch for. Like he's going to have that edge on just about anyone in this field until potentially the final where it really won't matter because both him and Djokovic can deal with any conditions. They're just, they're just that fit. Um, so that's another advantage for him. And, and four to one, I mean, 
implied probability is winning this tournament of twenty percent when he's almost a lock. Like, there's no such thing as a lock, but this is him making the semifinals here. Feels like it's about as close to one as you're going to get in an outright capacity. Um, look, I was hoping for Richard Gasquet's couple wins in Winston Salem to get me a somewhat bettable price on the first round on the minus games, and then I see it's like one point oh four or one point oh five. I was like, well, I guess they nailed that price, and because of his serve. Um, and the way it's been clicking, I, I don't even know if I can lay games because the games we want minus seven, minus eight on, <laughs> right. on the men's circuit. Like it's just too much. And I really wanted to bet Medvedev. And I mean, if I was uh, someone who bet just, you know, predicting outcomes, I would probably lay the games and 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 let it go. But when it comes to how often he covers, I don't think it's it's going to be high enough. Uh, that percentage is high enough to uh, to bet the minus games. In fact, if if Gasquet serves well enough and you could you might you might look into plus games there because you're going to get a freaking heap of games. The problem is, again, third set, that heat, it could be a 6-1 in the third after winning the first two, 7-6, 6-3, right? And then that that 6-1 kind of wipes you off the board. So too difficult to bet the individual match. But, uh, yeah, Medvedev on the outright market looks pretty good, even at that low price or high high price, I guess. Yeah, it depends on how you look at things. 4-1, to one, I, I agree. There might be a little bit of value there. Um, I may find some other ways to attack him, but I don't mind that. All right, gentlemen, any other thoughts here on the men's draw before we do a quick recap? No, not much. Not a ton here. Again, um, you know, as we flip through, we liked uh, PCB to win the quarter. I don't think there was too much else there um, in the first quarter. Sorry, I skipped over. John likes her cats a bunch of ways. You know, play him for a little bit to win the quarter. Look, look for him in derivatives, like to reach the quarterfinals, to reach the fourth round, and things like that. If you have access to books, again, this is the U.S. Open, so you're going to get a lot more options and things like that. So poke around. Um, flipping down through the third quarter, like Rublev, um, I'm going to play him to win a 28 to one to win the quarter. Um, we also looked at him to make the quarterfinals as well as the exact quarterfinal matchup of him versus Sitsapa. Again, another derivative, but if you poke around, you should find it. And then down in the fourth quarter, we just like Medvedev. Um, we think he's in a great spot and in, has a great shot to win this event. So overall, four to one. I think I got everything. Was there anything I missed? No, that was everything. Beautiful. Let's jump into some individual matches before we get over to the women's side here. First one up, uh, Bagnus against Taro Daniel. Bagnus plus 135 or 2.35. Daniel minus 164 or in the low 16s. I think that's right around 1.63 or so. Um, what was your angle here, John? Uh, yeah, $1.65 seems like Bagnus is someone who is one of those clay guys not necessarily like Tiago Montero, who I think is a lot more competent on hard, on hard courts than he gets credit for. But I think Magnus is someone who can hold his serve. But if he doesn't land his first at a high enough rate, and like this is typically what happens with these clay court grinders. It's like Munar on grass or Magnus. Their record is terrible. You look at a lot of sets. They keep some sets close. But the problem is you can hold three, four times in a row. But that one, that one service game where you, you need to rely on your second serve, you only hit one of five first serves, that's where the guys that are, succeed on hard courts will pick it apart and beat you. And that's why I think Tara Daniel at $1.65 is showing some pretty strong value. The minus one and a half sets market uh, for those books that spread it. I believe Bookmaker does it for Americans. I believe Bovada does it as well. So I know Americans have plenty of um, nationwide options. Not You know you have to be in certain states to get these. You will have those options. Over even money for minus one and a half sets. That's to say he wins three nothing or three one. That's a market I'll be looking at. I'll be looking at minus games. I might even lay the juice at one point sixty five on the money line with Pinnacle. I don't typically go this low, but I, this could be a multi unit wager for me. This could be a, a, a rather large bet. I have to make sure I dig into tarot like the stylistic stuff too with the lefty matchup from Magnus uh, and do my kind of qualitative stuff as well 
Uh, but first glance, this looks like a, like a lot of value on Terra Daniel. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think you're right. The clay court are getting too much credit. And Terra Daniel does okay in some of these slam events. He doesn't mind the five-set grind. Second match could be really fun, could be really terrible, honestly. Bautista Gook's going to play Nick Kyrgios. Um, I guess you just bet set overs and hope for a bunch of tiebreakers here. Um, you know, any other plans, guys? Yeah, overs. I think he nailed it. I, this is one where I do think you're going to like RBA holds serve at a sneaky rate. Kyrgios checks out of a lot of return games, especially if he gets down 30 love. Um, we, But I don't think Kyrgios is, is coming here to collect a paycheck and leave. Uh, but then every time I make the assumption that he is, he, he wins three matches and screws me. And every time I make the assumption that he isn't, he loses first round. So I, who knows with him? Um, it depends on the mood on the day he wakes up He's that he's in. But uh, yeah, I, I do like the overs here. I think he nailed it with, uh, with that. All right. Makes sense to me here. Now, one of these no names I definitely know how to pronounce. Thanks for the world's greatest fine. But the second one I'm going to let John pronounce. Marco Shekinato is playing who, John? Zachary Sviada. Sviada oh. or Sviada? Uh, I think it's Sviada. Either way. He's a young American. He, If you recall, he came and pushed or beat Berdick um, a couple years back. The USTA reserves wild cards for their U18 winners in the main draw. Uh, he was that guy a few years back. Very talented youngster. Doesn't have a huge game, but you don't need a huge game to be checking out on a hard court. Uh, checking out to really screwed me against Dominic Kepfer. Won't get into all the details of that beat, but if you look up the point by point and then do do the math on the games and look at you know the minus three was the spread, that one really hurt. Uh, but I, I I do think that Seattle is just way too solid. Um, to give up a lot of free points, uh, to cave in, and he's over three dollars. You're gonna get. Uh, I, I don't know the correlations well for best of five because we only have it. Um, what four times a year? Uh, so let me look this up here. You're getting five games. Four. If if you don't like, if you don't like to sell and you and you want to do the four, uh, you can get five and a half games at a dollar eighty eight, uh, or you can get plus money, slight plus money on plus five. I think I'll be on that. Um, the plus two and a half sets probably isn't worth it. And by probably, I mean definitely it's $1.60. If that gets to like $1.71 to win one set, I'll be on that as well. And I'll probably be on the money line in some capacity. I'm I'm big on Zach Ciotta. I love his game. I love his compete level. Uh, he's obviously a hardcore oriented player. Something that Cecchinato is not. So yeah, I, I definitely think we we have an edge here betting uh, Ciotta in multiple capacities. Yeah, I think that's a good way to, to, to build that up. Cecchinato does get a lot of credit, I think, for pad success and, and things we haven't seen in a while. Now, I mean, his first Berrettini. serve is huge. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. give him that. His first serve is really big. Speaking of big serves, Jeremy Chardy, does he still have a big serve? I remember him having a big serve. Yes. Plus 644 or 7.44 against Berrettini, who, again, very good, but we don't know kind of what his general state is. He's minus 1,000 or 1 1.1. 1. Um, what are you doing here, John? Uh, I think you're looking for an over or plus games here. I don't think he necessarily wins outright, but... I mean, it, it, Berrettini just hasn't looked good, and I do kind of want to fade him in some capacity. Maybe not to lose outright, but he's not someone that's the world's greatest returner. You've got a big serve on the other side. His serve is slightly weakened. Does he hold 100% of his service games? Potentially, but there is a chance that Shardy does manage to break him here or there. Now, I don't know if it leads to a set being one. It could be a break back. It could be something where he gets broken back, um, trying to consolidate, etc. But I think we see plenty of games. So if you want to take the over... Uh, that's a look. Um, that is sitting right now at about 33 and a half. That's a very low line for two big servers and best of five tennis. I was expecting something like 36. Uh, I know that, you know, because Berrettini is a huge name and huge serve, and he's one of the best players in the world, 
maybe like a 35, but with his injury problems, I would expect this line to be a lot higher. So I think you could, you'll probably have an edge. Again, this is all first uh, impression stuff. My process still has to kind of wean these through. Uh, and I've got to uh, kind of tone down some of the, the high volume I have. But I do think that Shardy is um, either you're looking for the over 33 and a half. I think that should be at least a game, maybe more higher. And you're also getting six and a half games at even money. Pinnacle has minus 102 or $1.98. That's a lot of games for a good server against someone that is a very good player, but not a great returner and someone who has question marks around his shoulder and his recovery. So I do think, you know, even though his form isn't great, Shardy is something to look at here. Um, maybe not on the money line, but in other capacities. What, do you know what Barantini's injury is? Like, what, what is he dealing with here? It was his shoulder, I'm pretty sure. Oh, like, I'm 70% sure it's, it's right his shoulder. And uh, I, I, I would have loved to see the service velocity statistics from his Cincinnati matches. I want to see how they compare, because if, it's his, if, if his serve velocity is down, he's going to be in trouble from the get-go here mm-hmm. um, against Shardy. The, the real saving grace is Shardy isn't great anymore he is aging he had all that success earlier in the year i think you know kind of petered out took a lot out of him and now you know he's just hasn't been in good form that's probably a saving grace but i do think if if shardy can turn a serve on six and a half games is a lot of games um if he can take it to a tie break and and potentially win a set you're you're looking you're sitting pretty makes perfect sense to me let's continue forward here um pablo cuevas against Escobedo, um, Cuevas plus 150 or 2.5, Escobedo uh, minus 182 or 1.55. Um, what are we doing here, guys? Spread, you want to? No, you, you got this one. one? I didn't okay, have yeah. One. yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm really surprised to see Escobedo this big of a favorite. I know Cuevas is a clay court oriented player, but he does have a serve and I don't think he's totally incompetent on hard courts. Um, I really, I, I wanted, I saw that match was like, oh, betting Escobedo at, at even money is going to be really nice or at a pick them. So minus 110 will be really nice. And we just didn't get it. And I'm almost wondering if I want to, to, to dabble in an over now because they're giving Escobedo a lot more credit than I think he deserves. I think this was always meant to be a four set match. Uh, and I do think Cuevas will be able to steal a set in here. So potentially the overs here, the way the, the price is sitting, I, I do think that overs might be a look in this match. That makes a lot of sense to me. Dimitrov, a huge favorite, one of the biggest favorites of round one, uh, over minus 1,400 or 1.07 against Rafis. Rafis, I'm not entirely sure. Rafis, I think. I used to say Rafis. Rafis, plus 8.15 or 9.15. I assume we're we're fading the Dimitrov here, guys. Is is that the plan? I love Sammy Rafis, man. Um, Look, his game is so much fun to watch. He's got such a good, strong, solid flattened out backhand he's the ncaa champ i know that's not worth a ton um like in other sports you know being a great ncaa player helps not so much in tennis uh there's something to be said that it it helps your development sure but he is the ncaa singles champion for what it's worth um and i've backed him a few times as a dog in in what were uh you know advantage spots and plus ev spots and i think here like i'm seeing 11 to 1 on the money line and i'm getting what am i getting for that on games now eight and a half eight games like it's a lot of games. The, the problem is Dimitrov did find some wins finally uh, recently. And this is the type of match where if he's on, he just, he beats them like, you know, two, three and two, but he also is, this is a player who is not one to mentally fold in Riffis. He is. And Dimitrov is one who can fold mentally, who can find a lot of errors. And if he gets into a, a, a patch where he's hitting a ton of errors, playing long rallies, isn't going to help with that because like, that kind of that that seed of doubt kind of 
creeps in where you're like, man, I'm hitting a ton of errors. The longer rally you goes, you're just expecting yourself to hit them. And that's what Griffiths can do is try and prolong those rallies against him. So I, I am intrigued by the plus games here um, for Sam Riffis. Yeah, I, that's always fun. And again, Dimitrov has been kind of a mess. Now, this next match is tough for me to, to put a finger on because my heart wants to back Fanini here, minus 140 <laughs> or 1.71, so right around plus 120 or 2.2. But what should I do here, John? You know better. Take the Canadian. So, so Pinnacle um, released this at $1.86 at 4.19 in the morning Eastern time. Thanks a lot for always releasing at night. So I always miss out on those nice juicy openers for uh, for a lot of big stuff. Or like I think they do that on stuff. purpose. They well, know. no, it's, it depends when the draw is released. Like when they release it, sometimes they let they let their European traders, I guess, sleep on it. And then they release it in the morning in, Euro in European time. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, is there in Europe a lot of their tennis traders or, or Britain? So... It's down even a dollar seventy-two. It's very backable. Vashik Pospisil is a pure fade. His footwork is gone. If he doesn't have footwork, he has nothing. He's a serve a service-oriented guy, a guy who loves to serve and volley. And frankly, if you serve and volley, the most important thing is getting to net in time, getting to your spot to to pick up that that vol that first volley. And if you're a step behind, one step with his height and his stride opens up like an extra few meters for passing shots. And it is so deadly to not hit your spot in time. And his, his age and his footwork and, and uh, is declining. And that is going to kill a serve and volley kind of game. And that's why you've seen, he's been terrible this year, even on grass, his preferred surface, he was not good. Um, so yeah, he is a pure fade at this point. Fanini, if, you know, even if he's not mentally checked in and he has been lately, I think watching him play has been, you know, giving at least some sort of effort. Uh, we're at a grand slam. I definitely think Fanini wins this match. And I think this should be around a dollar 50. So for those watching, that is a huge, huge edge. I'm going to give that to you right now. I know, I, I don't know how big it, it will be yet because I want to like, I like to split it up. I'll be on three, nothing. No, I won't be on three, nothing. It's Fanini. I'll be on minus one. <laughs> I'll be on uh, alternate minus games. I'll be on the money line. I'm telling you right now, I'll be on this in a lot of capacities. Even well, though I don't like multi-unit bets with Fanini is like, That's... you're just asking for it. And I know that, but the edge is there. I've got to take it. That's good. That's exactly the answer I wanted. It always makes me happy. And this is a match I'm going to be looking for some overs, but more specifically the set overs. Taylor Fritz playing Demon Hour. Fritz plus 108 or 2.08. Demon Hour minus 130 or 1.77. Does anybody have a side they like or another angle here? I like Fritz. I haven't liked the way the ADM's playing lately. Yeah, I mean, I liked it at plus 109 when I pulled up the tab this morning uh, or earlier this afternoon, I suppose. Uh, I like it even more now at around plus 120 at Pinnacle, plus 119. So, yeah, I, I agree there. I'll be on I'll be on Fritz. I'm not huge on the way ADM's playing. Um, I think Fritz coming back from his knee issue has looked pretty solid. Uh, it's He's run into trouble when he's played a lot of matches in a few weeks. He, that's when we've seen him kind of uh, take a step back, but he's looked really good. The key is, does he have the patience to deal with ADMs getting everything back? If he does, he wins easily. Garen, minus 370 or 1.27 against Gombos, plus 286 or 3.86. Um, who had some thoughts here? I think it was you, John. What's the plan? Uh, I'm looking into plus games. You're getting six games here. With Gombosh, the, the problem is Norbert is just so – he can get erratic, but he's got a, a nice big serve. His game should translate from clay to, to hard courts. The reason why it hasn't really is a comfort thing, I think, more than anything. But look, Christian Garin, like, bro, minus six games on a hard court here? Like, I get that he's maybe more competent than people realize, and I get that he's, you know, a top 25, 30 player by ranking and, you know, m more well-known and 
there's a lot of factors that make him a favorite, and I get that, but six-game favorite, I just I don't know if I can let that go. It's. I think you're right. That's probably just a, a game or two a little high there. So I think you're playing the right angle there. Um, Greek Sport, plus 287 against Jan Leonard Struff. Struff minus 370 or 1.27. Um, Struff been struggling a little bit lately, hasn't he, John? Yeah, and, and I mean – Look, Talon Greekspor is has made his you know chops his whatever expression you want to use there. I'm conf- I'm conflating a bunch of them, but uh, he's done his his work at the challenger level on clay. Uh, but man, he's got a he's got a nice game. If you watch him play, I think aesthetically a lot of people would really enjoy watching him play. He's got a big game, but he's also not just a pure kind of serve uh, service hold kind of guy. Um, and yeah, Struff is is want to just not show up a lot. And so to be over four, I think it's over $4 at some books for Greeks. That's a huge number. Again, I'll be looking to take uh, some games here. Uh, Greek Spore has the ability to hold plenty, keep a lot of sets close. He has the ability to, to sneak a few sets out here. Uh, I definitely think maybe uh, overs, set overs, or um, plus games on Greek Spore should be a look. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Brandon Nakashima, this will be a fun match here. Uh, plus 129 or 2.29 against John Isner. Isner minus 156, 1.64. The elder American versus the younger American. Do we think Nakashima has enough juice to get it done? So a quick note here. Um, when you posted those to the spreadsheet that we tick off for the match we want to talk about uh, in prep, sorry for the secrets of the show being revealed. <laughs> but... <laughs> But and, and when I pulled it up, it was about plus one twenty, plus one twenty five, and I was like, "Oh, I'm keen on that." I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily like opposing Isner on a hard court in the first round of a slam. It's not something I think historically has gone very well. But Nakashima's hella talented. He's so fun to watch. He's got the returnability that if someone's going to be able to break through Isner with a couple second serve points, one maybe get a break. I think he's the one to do it. He's now to plus one fifty at some offshores, uh, plus one forty six Pinnacle, plus one forty seven Kuwa, plus one fifty Bet Hard. I, I don't know how you don't bet him in some capacity here. I don't think you can take plus games just because, you know, the plus games against John Isner are always going to, they're not going to correlate the way they would against as with any other player because um, they know he's not going to return that well. So they, they, they're given, they know you're going to win a, a bunch on serve when you oppose him. But uh, the over is set it ready for this 43 games. And it's like, you're paying a little bit of juice minus minus one eighteen to get there. You're like 43 and a half games is a lot of games to bet on and over, even in the Isner match. So I'll be looking to probably the only edge I'm seeing here from first glance is, is Nakashima money line. Isner is so ridiculous. He can be like minus 250, and it'll be like minus one and a half games. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's so stupid. Eh? I wonder if Nakashima's ready mentally yet for best of five tennis, but I, I'm going to watch. It'll be fun. And like you said, John, his returnability gives him a chance, as well as anybody does in that situation. I, I um, think the price is wrong here. I think I think it should be 50-50. So that you, if you have a 50-50, you've got like a multi-unit edge there. The problem is, do you really want to oppose yeah. Isner's serve with multiple units? I think if you're if you're betting purely quantitatively, Kelly Carterion based, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna have a big bet here. But I think if I'm you're looking, going, things, I'm just going one unit. But I think yeah, that, exactly. That more than if it's between plus 100 to plus 120, I, I'm fine laying off. I, okay, there's might okay. be a slight edge, but you guys are right about Isner. Anything more than plus 120, when you're getting into those 43% or more for the win percentages, it's just like, right. I think you got to take Nakashima here. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that as well. That's, 
Uh, I'm almost there. We'll see. Kekmanovic, <laughs> uh, pretty close to even, minus 103 or 1.97 against uh, Rinderneck, um, minus 116, a small favorite, 1.86 there for the Frenchman. I think this match is going to be a lot of fun. Um, what do we think? What was your angle, John? My boy, RDR. Artie Rinderneck at $1.88. Absolutely. Get me in on that. I love this really? kid's game. Okay. I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, like, I just think he's a little more consistent. He's far more mentally tough than Miamir Kichmanovic, who I've always had a problem with it, it, from that aspect of the game. Uh, demeanor, attitude, um, ability when he, he misses a shot to just let it uh, impact the next three or four points. That's especially important with a guy like Rinderneck, who if he's gifted three or four points in a row in return, wins a game. That could be the end of the set with his serv service ability and Kitschmanovic not being the greatest return in the world. So, uh, yeah, it's it's $1.88. I don't know if that price will last. It opened at $1.85. It made its way up to $1.92. And so it's, it stayed in this range. The market is pretty divided on this. Um, there's been, you know, the market, I think, tends to agree with the opener. There's been a little bit of movement here and there. But, uh, yeah, I'll be on Arthur Rinderneck. Maybe overs, set overs. Um, another angle. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, when you say you like overs, generally you like the underdog, you wouldn't be taking a side and a pick them. But, I mean, it's just if if there's going to be, a, like, if there is one player that is slightly better that wins those close sets, it is absolutely Arthur Rinderneck in this match, for me anyway, from uh, a preview analysis. I'm sure that someone will come back and troll me if it's like 6-4, 6-4, 6-4 the other way with a late break going to Kachmanovic every time, um, as I say that Rinderneck's better in those late uh, late set situations. But um, I do think that uh, before we have all the information, before it plays out, I think Rinderneck is, is the player. Hatching up minus 227 or 1.44 against Lloyd Harris, plus 183 or 2.83. I know you love Hatching up, Spread. Are you going to be finding a way to back him here? I do, but it's, it's, it's a tough spot for him, right, with him not playing that well this year. And and I, I got a, a, that nice little run there at Wimbledon, but since then he hasn't really been that impressive. I think, I think Harris can give him problems here. I'm staying away from this one. John, what are you jumping in on? Didn't he have uh, the run of the Olympics as well? Did Hatchinoff do something at the Olympics? Oh, the Olympics. That... Excuse me. Yeah. Finals, right? He went to the finals. He won the silver for Russia, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I can't remember. There, I think it was a Russian that Zvera beat down in the. Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, shouldn't term use that term with Zverev, but um, that was not intentional at all. But um, Zverev. Uh, oh gosh, there aren't really many adjectives to use in this spot. But he he thoroughly dispatched um, a Russian, I believe, in the final. I think it was Hatchinoff. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Kudla, we talked a little bit about, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, no, no, sorry, Kudla here, uh, 1.41 or minus 244 against Jir, who's plus 195 or 2.95. What are we doing here, John? <sighs> I really, really want to lay the games, but I just don't know if Dennis is the greatest returner out there, but like Laszlo on a quick court, uh, I think he showed some competence somewhere this year on a hard court, if I'm not mistaken, and it drove me nuts because I faded him here and there but it's like it's an outlier to me right uh no he is not he lost first match Antalya, first match great ocean uh great ocean road open first match australian open that was nadal though so that doesn't really count uh second match acapulco beating stevie J. second match miami beating yiddy vesley like okay i mean a lot of people beat yiddy vesley on, uh, on his day um it was the quavas match where i faded him at wimbledon and he won on a quick, but other than that, like first match on grass at Queens, first match, uh, second match at Wimbledon, and first match at Cincinnati against Corda. Like he is just a pretty big fade on hard courts. Dennis likes them um, medium fast to fast, and I think that's what he's going to get on the outer courts. Uh, Jenny's going to hold serve enough, and I, you know, you might see him sneak 
a, a tie break. And if he sneaks a set out, you, you know, it's it's tough to, to like the minus games. But I do think when it comes to hard court competence, um, minus four and a half games seems like a nice proposition here at even money or dollar ninety nine, pretty much even money at Pinnacle. You can if you want to get down to four games, it is still tolerable at minus one fifteen, not a ton of juice. Um, you're paying an extra few cents from the typical dollar ninety down to dollar eighty six. But if you're more comfortable wanting to to have that push insurance. Um, that's a number as well that, again, that could be like a seven six seven five six three kind of score line, and you're covering four easily in that spot. Uh, he could drop a seven six or, or, or five or six seven or five seven or four six. And it, like it's not the worst thing in the world uh, if you can find a break in the other three sets. So I do think that all things considered, um, Jedi has, bit, has has come back to bite me in the past. But he's still a fade, and you can't let you know past matches kind of influence your thinking on this individual entity of a match. I think you have to fade him and, and lay the games with Dennis. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Massetti minus three twelve or one point three two against Nova or Nava two uh, plus two forty four or three point four four. It's been a long time since I've thought about Lorenzo Massetti. I mean, what are you thinking here, John? Uh, I can't remember who tweeted. I think it was uh, the account Rusu Georgi. The Emil Rusevori <laughs> and Camilo Giorgi fan account. <laughs> That's a, quite a combination. Yeah, it's a great. It's, it's he's by the way he's a great follow for anyone uh, on tennis Twitter. He watches challenges. He dissects matches really well. He understands the tactics. Uh, a fun follow. I think he's the one that said, "Well, we now understand that Lorenzo Musetti is not good on anything." faster than an Acapulco hardcore. <laughs> that Acapulco run was the outlier, but that was also a notorious, it's a notoriously slow uh, hardcore uh, down there in Mexico. And he just hasn't shown confidence on anything quicker than that. And with a one-handed backhand, Sitsi Pass has shown this too when it comes to return, not necessarily service uh, or, or confidence on hardcores, but guys like that with those one-handed backhands, sometimes it can be really tough Um the quicker the court gets, the less time you have. I mean, you really need a lot of time to set it up. It's a long motion. And if you rush it, it's really hard to react defensively and not spray the ball. And I think that's something he's still trying to come to terms with, still trying to adjust to. Uh, so I'll be looking to back Emilio Nava on the plus games. I don't know, or plus sets, or maybe first set money line. I know Steve is a big proponent of that one. And I, I was saying to Alex and Steve um, in, in a chat that I really need to, to, to start. That's the next step I want to take as a handicapper. Start looking for first set money line situations. It's a guy off a long week, but you still like him. Is uh, a guy, an underdog that doesn't play a lot of best three of five tennis like Nava. You know, you don't want to trust him because that, you know, he could lose in four and that fourth set could be a six, two and ruin the spread. Right. So are you looking for first set spread? Are you looking for first set money line? I think that's, that's where you're going to want to go with something like this. He's supremely talented, great young player, love watching him play. Uh, and I do think he has a great chance to, to push Muzetti. But again, I would, I would look for something to do with the early stages of the match as the angle to back here. Now, a match that I was happy to not think about at all, but one of you checked off. Nishioka <laughs> is minus 114 or 1.88 playing against Jack Sock, who's 1.94. Who wanted to talk about this and why? Me. Oh, I just wanted to point out, this is one match people should watch. Uh, Jack has been a lot better this year. You can see the heart. Uh, he's he's been playing with just which just was absent for a few years uh, when he was down at the challengers i think he won in little rock uh, in arkansas i didn't know a lot of tennis was played in arkansas but uh, they had a challenger there this year um look that is a match this is a match to watch i don't know if i'll back be backing sock necessarily overs look like a great proposition can you if you can get over four and a half sets that is always going to be a nice plus money number i'm really anxious to see uh if i might like a price here it's like plus 235 at unibet and I might lay a quarter and a half unit on that. Um, that's more of a hunch degen play, not so much an edge play. So I want to, I want to, you know, caveat uh, that by by saying, 
that it is just a kind of degen lean. But I do think this is a match to watch. Contrasting styles, fun stuff. I think these two played in Miami a few years back. Remember when Ishioka tore his ACL and wanted to keep playing through it? They played into light rain on a hard court, and he I, I, was it Sock that match he played against? And it was just like everyone on Twitter was talking about how much of a warrior he was to want to keep going when the trainers and everyone was like, no, you need to get out of court. Uh, it was 2017 Miami, 4-2. Nishioka was leading Sock uh, before he had to 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 pull out. So uh, just, just I think, a lot of fun to watch in this match. Yeah, I think that will be uh, – it's It'll go on for a while, but I won't pay any attention to it. Ramos <laughs> minus one thirty-two or one point seven six against Pui, Pui plus one ten or two point one. Uh, this was a hard match for me to kind of figure out. Both these players have been kind of all over the board. Did either of you have an angle here? Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I don't care how um, injured he was at one point. I think Pui is. It, he's not back to the level he was before. Okay, I don't. I don't know if he ever will be, because it's been quite a few tournaments since he's returned. Uh, but I, I can't get away from uh, fading Ramos Vignolos on a somewhat medium to medium fast hard court with someone like Pui who's got the serve he does. Um, for those who like their head-to-head, they're probably going to hate this because it's 4-1 head-to-head to Ramos Vignolos, including, but on hard courts, it's 1-1. One and, one. and they haven't played since 2019. Um, and Pui destroyed him in Auckland in 2015, and it was Miami on a slower hard court where it's three sets to Ramos Vignolos. So once you take it into context, again, head-to-head almost... Doesn't mean anything. Shocker, I know. Um, Don't tell that yeah, to spread. Look, spread sitting right there. King, Ruben, Lopez. The, the qualifying wins weren't great, and he needed three sets to do it uh, for both of those. Uh, and lost, in Evans, lost to Evans in three in Winston-Salem this week. I think the, the nice little tune-up there. He hadn't won a match since Mallorca on grass. Uh, he hadn't won a main draw match since Monte Carlo. So that was a nice little warm-up for him uh, in Winston-Salem to get two qualities wins, beat Feli Lopez, push Evans. Yeah, I think he has a chance here against Ramos Vignolas. I understand his form at tour level hasn't been great, and Ramos is rock solid. So, look, I, I get if you don't want to back it. I think 90% of the betting public is probably going to pass on this match with so much other stuff to bet on. But, again, if you're looking for edges, it don't have to be pretty. But if it's there, I think you bet it, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, we keep moving forward. Mr. Rude minus 1250 or 1.08 against Joe Wilfred Zonga, who continues to get into tournaments somehow, plus 743 or 8.43. I have no clue what we're doing here. Yeah, John, why is this? I don't know who to, I don't know who to guess on. what John's going to back. I want to say he's going to back Rude, but he already says he doesn't like Rude. And Seven and a half games. Like, thing. I think, like, again, we're, this is all initial stuff. This is why we have so many matches, and it's going to be a super long episode, because I haven't really weaned anything down. But, I, I mean, Sanga's serve is, is still competent. I think Snives tried backing him a while back based on that angle, and he was broken like four times. <laughs> I might end up passing here because Rude is going to be competent on return. I don't think he gets enough credit there, but seven and a half games is something I have to look into and will be looking into. Uh, this is probably the first one to be scratched, though, uh, upon further research uh, into these lines. I'll definitely be looking um, to to potentially scratch. I, I predict it's going to be scratched. You're yeah, going to have so many options, and then you're going to come down and you're going to say, wait, do I really want to put money on Sanga, who's like, I mean, he's closer yeah. to retirement than, than Feely Lopez, <laughs> who I think is another person we're about to talk about, right? <laughs> Are we? You're not wrong. Let's move on here. The final match we want to touch on the men's side, Jordan Thompson minus 294, 1.34 against Gianluca Maguire, um, plus 233 or 3.33. What was the plan here, guys? Uh, sorry, let me pull this tab up. 
This is an interesting one. I think I'm going to go over sets or over games or plus games with Mogger. He's got a competent serve. He's not as trash on hard courts as people want to believe. I don't know if he wins, and I don't know if there's an edge on – it's like 30%. I think he wins probably 30 to 35% of the time. That seems right, but I think the cover um, on six – or sorry, five and a half games – at, a, at minus 115, I think that is something that will cover a little more than 50 to 60% of the time. Look, Jordan Thompson is has been really wacky in terms of form. He's had a really bad attitude on court of late. Something's going on with him where, where I definitely want to look into opposing him. I'm higher on Mogger than probably anyone in the tennis betting world, whether it's on clay or on hard courts. I find myself backing him all the time to varying degrees of success it fluctuates uh but i'll be looking into john luca here i think overs is probably going to end up even more than the plus games uh jordan has been wont to throw away sets he does like to play his longer matches we are 37 games if this goes four sets i can't see it four six three sets or worse you know what i mean if it goes four sets you just need one 10 game set and then three nine game sets and you're pretty much there i believe that's a push so yeah. And that's minus 105. There's no juice. So, yeah, I, I think that sets are going to go longer than people anticipate. I, I definitely think this goes at least four. If Jordan takes it in three, good for him. Uh, but I'll be looking to the over. I think that's the, the best angle I'm seeing on this match. Makes perfect sense. That wraps up the men's side of the draw. Are we ready to talk about some women's tents? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Ashley Barty is our number one seed. And actually, kind of similar to the last draw, has a very comfortable quarter. I mean, she will play some very talented women. But it's hard to see anybody kind of knocking her off along the way. Yes, Jennifer Brady's down here, but we know she's playing with a foot injury. The winner of Tormo Mahova, um, and I can't believe I'm saying that that first name, might have a chance to maybe challenge her for a set or two. But it looks like she kind of walks into that quarterfinal. Maybe Schweitek sort of puts it together, even though she hasn't really played much tennis as of yet. I love Pagula, but I think that she's in kind of a tough section. We'll see what the gold medalist Belinda Bencic can do. We'll start with you here, Spread. What do you see with this first quarter? Yeah, after, you know, two to three years of it just being the Wild West and, and you know, 10 people all have a great chance. Ash Barty's kind of cemented herself as the true number one in the world. I think it's the most, um, you know, the best grip she's had on it since Serena Williams uh, before uh, motherhood here. And not so not only is she playing the best tennis uh, of her life right now and looking like a legitimate number one, she got a very easy draw. Like you said, I think that Muhova would be the biggest issue. Obviously, Brady could cause problems. You mentioned the plantar. You know, I was kind of lamenting beforehand that in Cincinnati, <clears throat> in round one, I said, hey, you know, and, and we talked about it on the pod, and I said, hey, fade Brady. She looks hurt. She looked great in the first round match, and then, and then it just flared right back up in the second round. So it's really going to be tough to wager on Brady's matches because she could smash against qualifier number one. I don't know if they've uh, assigned those yet. And then just look terrible the next round here. Um, so I think Muhova is the one to maybe give her some problems here. Uh, but as of right now, I think it's pretty safe to say that um, the safest bet for the women's as far as winning a quarter is Ash Barty winning quarter one. What do you think there, John? Do you agree? Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I'm back. I've backed off my stance that Barty's, you know, isn't passing the eye test. It, frankly, she she is um, someone who I think dominates and has lulls. I almost wonder if she gets complacent or if 
she kind of needs someone to, to push back for her to, to really find her dominance again. But she is the best player in the world right now. I'm not looking to oppose her. I'm certainly not looking to back her at, at the price she's at, um, whether it be in the outright market or in the to win the quarter market. I think if you're going to bet one, I think it has to be the quarter price, right? Because it's it's about half the overall price. Once you get to the semis and finals, there's no way that those two matches combined uh, don't get to 2.00. Um so I do yeah, think if you're yeah. going to back her, to win the quarter looks a, like a way better price than the than to win outright, um, which isn't always the case. But I, I'm not looking to back anyone else here in this quarter. I'm, I'm going to look at my uh, bets and make sure that none of them are in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have much at all in the way of, of outrights for the women's bracket. It's, this quarter doesn't really intrigue me all that much. Yeah, I think it is kind of simple. I mean, Barty's plus money to win this quarter. I've been kind of clicking and unclicking that all day. I'll see if I end up on it. But it's really kind of where I am. So let's take a look at the second quarter and see if it's maybe a little more interesting or if anybody pops out there. Plushkov is at the top. Andreescu is at the bottom. Um, Samsonova, Ostapenko, Zachary's in here. Pavlyuchenkova, uh, Bedosa, some interesting names, but... Again, this quarter looks in a way both wide open and it's hard for me to pick somebody to come out. What do you think, John? Yeah, we chatted and we actually came to two names that we we, we like and potentially one not so much in an outright capacity and the other is a dark horse. And starting with the, the name that in that top sec, in that top section uh, or the top eight of this quarter, I suppose, I would look at Anastasia Pavyachenkova. It isn't a name we brought up in prep, but I, the more I look at it, the more I really like it here. Uh, her path, I, I mean, Martich is one of the seeds. That's pretty much a, a she's not winning kind of play. But Dosa has faded a bit since her red-hot start to the year, and it's understandable. You play for, I think, six, seven months at her, the level she did through the French Open. It, it's going to catch up with you. Your first year doing this, playing this volume at, at this level. Um, so I'd look there, but it's really the bottom section that intrigues me. There's a lot of red flags throughout here. I'm not sold on Pliskova just yet, even though we've seen a few good runs out of her lately. Give credit where it's due. The Montreal final, the, of course, Wimbledon final, um, where she was gifted kind of the second set from Ashley Party. Uh, she looked down and out and completely dead and managed to go three. But that was a pretty dominant um, win from Barty, even though it went three. And then you have like Petra Kvitova, the heat and humidity. You're like you're going to get New York City. Not going to be fun for her. Uh, you know, you have Elena Ostapenko, who, as we all know, I like don't need to say it anymore. She's she's all alone now. In that, I'm just going to bash the ball and and pray for success because Camilla Georgie's been playing with some margin for error lately, uh, and we've seen her kind of turn a corner and leave Ostapenko alone in that ball basher. Uh, I'm not going to think through points um, category. And then Bianca Andreescu at, at this point, like. You're, you can't back her. You just can't. Um, you know, I know that both Alex and, you know, Snides like to to say, I don't know how often we're going to get her at double digits. I think you're going to get her at double digits. That. I think you're going to get her pretty often yeah. now. She's been pretty bad. Hopefully her new coach does some tape study with her and, and explains to her that variety is only is only effective if you use it tactically. And, you know, you don't just throw a drop shot out there for the sake of throwing a drop shot out there, right? You're planning to it. Your, your, your two prior strokes uh, in a rally should lead to – the drop shot and it's something that she needs to work on because she's not predictable but almost almost her unpredictability which should be an advantage because players don't know what's going to come it, it almost it, it's as though she's deciding last second to hit a shot and she's you know leaving drop shots sitting up she's hitting uh ground strokes back right back to players when she has a nice uh, a nice short ball she's just making a lot of mental errors uh, and i'm not so then of course that COVID hangover could be an issue too you brought up uh, earlier so this is an attackable quarter. I'm looking to back Maria Sakkari. Uh, the 33 to one does look so intriguing on the outright market. But as you mentioned, this is like a Svitolina or Mertens. 
Uh, I think you mentioned all this in prep, so I'll, yeah. I'll go over the fact that you said, That's you know, right. very similar kind of thing where you, you don't want necessarily want to back her on an outright perspective. You know, 33 is nice, but seven to one to win the quarter is really intriguing to me. I think she could make a deep run. She has made a semi this year at, at a slam. So even though she's not winning the slams or the big tournament, she she does when she's playing well, have the ability to go deep. And that's something I'll look to back. Uh, and then Ludmilla, Ludmilla Sampson over 33 to one just to win the quarter. It also from that bottom section is a nice number with her, with her big game um, should be suiting these hard courts pretty well. I, I, I agree. As you start to look through, there was one name you mentioned there. Um, I'll talk about it in a second. I'll let spread go first. But like you said, with Zachary, it's, you start to look at some of those prices, you know, be careful before you bet outrights. Take some time. Think about what the money lines look like and what they would be put together. Um, it can be tough to really do work better in the outright market than you will with some of those money lines. But I'm kind of done with the idea of Zachary winning a big tournament. She just really struggles to win multiple matches, especially against some of these better players. How do you see this uh, second quarter shaking out? Yeah, so at the first look, right, it seems attackable, right? I can go ahead and pick apart all, all the seeds and the favorites, right? Andreescu. Um, John mentioned it, fitness issues, um, you know, basically just physical fitness issues. So can't trust her. Um, you know, you guys mentioned Samsonova. I think you guys make a good argument for her, but she's not a, a big favorite here. Um, you know, Penko, John mentioned it, not to mention that she's hurt. And, and we're seeing a lot of this in the NBA as well, John, as they came, I mean, Alex, as they came back. We're just seeing a lot of injuries going from absolutely nothing to a lot. And Penko's another one who suffered from that um, with her ab uh, abdominal injury that, that her and Isla ha had such a spirited conversation about. Regardless to say, she's incapable of being back. I think Sakura you can make a case for if you only bet the quarter. Because you're right, I just can't trust her mentally for seven matches in a row. Um Five, okay. <laughs> okay, even then I don't like it, but since we're attacking this quarter, we're going to have to take someone that we don't necessarily like. Um, Kostiuk, I guess you can make an argument for her as a long shot. I, I don't believe in her, not at this point of her career. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that. Uh, Siniakova and Savasova, I've completely crossed off the list. Kvitova, to me, is getting to the point where she's overrated. I haven't seen a tournament for a while that reminds me of peak Petra or prime Petra or the one that we all know and love and like to bet on. I haven't seen that player since the return um, from the pandemic. So I think that Petra's overvalued, which is why it's like we want to attack the quarter. Where do we land? Pavlyuchenkova is playing well. I think she's got a pretty nice path there. Um, Gracheva, only thing I want to mention about her is, okay, she went through a little emo phase tennis channel, but we don't need the red hair picture of her. She's, she's a nice looking young lady. We don't need the the seventeen-year-old picture of Gracheva. So that—that's my—that's my notes on her. Uh, John <laughs> mentioned about Bedosa. Uh, Mardich is not playing well either. <laughs> so where do I land on Pliskova? I don't want to land on Pliskova, but that's where I landed. And I think betting to win five and not seven, I feel okay doing that. At the same time, you won't catch me with a full championship ticket in my pocket. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, as you start to look at these, just. We like Bedosa quite a bit, but her number has started to really drop. She started to be down in the 30s, which is a lot of respect for the market. Pavlyuchenkova, again, I don't know if she can put it together for seven matches. I'm not ready to back Pliskova, although she's played very well over the last month, month and a half. Um, I don't know if I'd fault anybody for making that bet, but I'm not quite there yet. You know, you look down in kind of the bottom of the 
quarter. Kvitova really struggles here, given the heat and humidity. Andreescu, again, just hasn't really put it together. Um, but Lamilla Samsonova, kind of an outlier there, a bit of a flyer here. She is as high as 150 to 1 to win this tournament, which is preposterous to me. I think that she is way too talented to be triple digits, you know, let alone above 50. You know, I'd have her in the 40 to 50 to range, honestly. So she did take a week off to kind of get ready. I hope that that week was well used. Going to sprinkle her a little bit there and start to look at her in some of the quarter markets, which, again, she's north of 20, 25 to 1, I think even as high as 30 to 1 some places. So going to look into that. But, again, so far, just kind of tough to pick through anybody and feel confident about it. It's, you know, weirdly similar to the first quarter where we feel confident about one person who we don't want to bet on in here that's <laughs> hard for us to feel confident about anybody. Um, any other thoughts on the top half, guys, before we jump into the third quarter? Mm-mm. Alina Svitolina, um, Marketa Vondrasova, and Kasatkina make up a nice section here at the top. Rybakina has what might be a soft section. It might be tough. I don't know. It depends on whether you ask John or me. him. <laughs> Halep is playing again, but we don't know if she's healthy. I don't think she is. Kerber continues to play good tennis. She kind of has a nice spot. And then down here at the bottom should be a lot of fun. We've got Naomi Osaka, who has a chance to end up playing Layla Fernandez. She might play Coco Goff. We've got a section here where Coco Goff looks like she's going to play Sloane Stevens or maybe Madison Keys, but I kind of think it's going to be Sloane there. What do you see see here spread in the third quarter? Yeah, this is uh, this is actually a, a lot of fun. Uh, it's a real fun quarter. Svitolina, hey, obviously level of competition is not that good, but, <laughs> but what a week to, to get ready, right? And she's not one that I'm worried about her fitness. Uh, every other day off, I don't mind her uh, playing deep in this tournament and absolutely smacking people. I mean, did she beat Mladenovic like 1-0 yesterday or 1-2? I mean, it was just – I was excited for it. I turned it off by like four games. I was like, wow, this is a beat down. <laughs> um, Vondrasova, I'm not as sold on her. Um, Dasha completely just tanked out um, in her match this week. I don't really know what to make of that. I think that she just wanted to get to New York. And, and overall, she's been playing pretty well. Seems like it'll be good conditions for her. So I could, I'm not going to do it. But if you guys said, hey, I'm going to make take a stab at, at Kasakina, I, I would not. Um, I wouldn't think you're making a bad bet. Uh, yeah, Rybakina and Sastovich, that should be a, a fun first-round match. Uh, I believe Rybakina can get along. I think the big outlier here, here, Alex, and we hate doing this, we hate playing doctor, is Simona's health. Because I, I could not, I mean, it's not going to be very much. You know, the, the one guy asked the question about our unit size. I'm not going to full unit on this one. But, you know, talk about, you know, when are we going to get Bianca in double digits? Simona's like plus 3,300. If she's healthy, that's a fantastic bet that you're easily going to be able to hedge off of. That That's the one that I was looking at from this quarter. But, um, you know, she could easily learn in the first round to, to Georgie, who's learned, um, you know, there's more than one uh, velocity to hit a tennis ball. And that actually is a good strategy to use. Yeah, well said. What do you think here, John? Um, look, I'm not sold on Naomi Osaka just yet. Uh, I think someone mentioned – in a, in a stream that I did yesterday that she's never really defended a title. And that's an interesting angle. Um, if you want to talk about potential mental uh, aspects to this, and of course she's going to have to do press conferences, the dreaded press conferences, um, you know, that, that could be so hard to do. Um, look, <laughs> for me to want to believe that Naomi Osaka has got a tough life, I'm not going to do it. Uh, period. End of story. But it's not, I'm not sold on her just yet coming back and winning the slam. Of course it is a hard court slam. So, uh, I'm not going to be looking to fade her over and over and over again. But, you know, I'm, I'm a lot less certain 
uh, or confident in her chances this slam than I have been for the last two hardcore slams, both in Australia and then last year here at the U.S. Open. But I, I think the... I don't have any outrights here except for Coco Goff to make the fourth round. And again, this is something I only have in my bet slip. I didn't, I'm not actually placing this bet because we talked about this again. I think like Herkoc, you're going to find a bit more value at least to get to the fourth round um, on the rollover potentially that of course all depends on some, you know, not having too many upsets, which would kill a second or third round price for her, but look to play the money line there. It's plus 175 as an, a standalone outright or 2.75. That's really intriguing to me. I'm not exactly sure uh, how she doesn't make the fourth round half the time here. That's a that's a pretty substantial edge. Lynette is solid, and she's got a lot of wins under her belt on hard courts, but take a look at who she's beating. She's beating up on a lot of 250 competition. I don't know how many really signature wins she has, um, so I'm not as concerned there. The second round is why you're seeing that inflated price with uh, Madison and Sloan. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that match. It's one of the best matches of the first round, and it's Murica. Um, That's right, baby. But, you know, I still think Coco gets through that match, not with relative ease. Uh, against Keys, I think she really does get through that match. Um, against Sloan, I think it could be a little bit closer. But I really do like her to get to the fourth round here. And if you're going to – and against Kerber, the, the, the key, the Stevens and Kerber potential is why I'm almost positive you're going to get past plus 175 on a rollover Moneyline Parlay. Uh, to the fourth round but I do really like her odds to get to the fourth round and if we're seeing you know a plus 175 out there I'm all, I'd almost be intrigued to take that in case Kerber does not end up in the fourth round if it's a Kalanina or third round sorry or a Yastremska uh, I don't know if it gets to the 2.75 so it's all dependent on Kerber getting there um, to the third round so uh, if you want to just take it play it safe take the uh, take the outrights on a standalone if you want to take the shot and go for the bigger uh, bigger cash I'd say money line parlay, but that's the only outright I have from this third quarter. Nothing else really intrigues me. Also, Rabakana does not have a cakewalk. I think Sastovich um, isn't as easy as you think it is. Uh, Caro can push anyone on any given day, but even more important, if there is a, an Anaconyu in that qualifier spot, that qualifier spot could be a, a huge difference. Uh, that's That becomes really tough to go Sastovich Kanyu potentially. I mean, that's still one in 16 chance that Kanyu gets her, then she has to beat Caro. Uh, but and then something like Halep or Georgie, that's not the easiest route to take. John, speaking well, of press, minus 110 on both sides. Will Naomi Osaka be asked about Alexander Zverev in press? Ooh, I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. I'll bet you she is because she has shown a willingness to speak on social issues. I don't know if she'll yeah. comment too harshly because I think that her PR people will probably tell her to have some sort of uh, diplomatic response. But because she does comment on social issues, I wouldn't be surprised. If she's yeah, asked what I wouldn't I just, be surprised if she commented. <laughs> Figure I'd make some like levity that. here with all this. That's uh, interesting. That's an interesting question. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I probably think, yeah, I probably think she will be asked. And I probably think she will give a semi-straightforward, semi-diplomatic answer. I think that's the best way to answer that for me. So I agree with John. I like Kerber here. I've taken her outright 45 to 1. I'm going to back her in the quarter in a few different other ways. But couldn't disagree with you more about Rybakina's spot here. I, I think that she's head and shoulders above Sastovich. You know, Sastovich, yes, might take a set. There might be a 7-5 kind of thing in here. But well, And I know that I've kind of jinxed the crap out of myself this year with qualifier placement. But I'm not worried about <laughs> Sastovich. I'm not really worried about most of the qualifying field here. And sure, Georgie's been playing better, but it's Georgie. She can go AWOL at a moment's notice. And I really don't think Halep's healthy. So I look at all those matches, and she kind of gets to this point where – she sits there and she waits to see who's kind of left of 
you know, Kasakina, I think, probably makes it out. Maybe Svitolina there. You know, players that, again, she's just going to have more power and, and talent than, the, you know, the, the match will be on her racket, as we like to say. So I like mm-hmm. both Rybakina and Kerber here. Um, Rybakina, 33-1. to 1. Kerber was 45-1 to 1 in the outright. And, again, I'll back them in some of the smaller markets. But just the outrights for, now, uh, for me now. So uh, that Kerber uh, – sorry, I'm just trying to pull back up the draw. I switched windows to the individual match stuff. The price on Sasswich to win a set is over plus 140. Uh, I think that's really intriguing, the way that she can uh, rip. She's not going to be totally out hit. She's not going to be the aggressor in that. I don't think many people are against Rabakana, but uh, she certainly has the ability to stick with her, and she can change direction, something she likes to change direction a lot, and that's really key. If you're redirecting that pace, Rabakana does not have the athleticism or movement to deal with that and that is also gonna be a huge concern against Kerber who likes quicker courts who loves to redirect pace and who is supremely um talented at you know precision like precise shots painting lines and changing back and forth both cross court down the line she can hit both shots um to both wings down the line cross court inside out like she's very very strong at that and I think she'd be an interesting matchup should we get to see that in the fourth round I don't think we will because I do think Coco Goff gets there but if a Kerber Rabakana match did happen, I'd really like to see that price because I'm 97% sure Rabakana is a favorite there. And I'm 100% sure that if she is, I'll be opposing that uh, with Kerber. I'll just be happy because both my outrights will be in the quarterfinals. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Fourth, I'll take it. Fourth quarter. This, this quarter, I, I think, probably is just about as fun as any in the draw. Krejcikova, our seat at the top. Sabalenka, our seat at the bottom. And there is a bunch of names here in the middle. We might have a Vika Muguruza match in the third quarter. Um, it's Alexandrova, someone we like to bet match to match, but she's generally been a disappointment. You know, again, I mentioned Vika and Muguruza, two big names, but neither one of them has really put together any good tennis since very early in the season. We've got Jabor here. Unfortunately, Daniel Collins might be dealing with an injury. So I think it really comes down to kind of Sabalenka or Krejcikova. And I have planted my flag firmly in the Krejcikova camp. I like her to win this quarter. I like her to win the tournament at 22 to 1. I even found somewhere to bet the exact final is her versus Barty at 33 to 1. Barty Krejcikova 3. Let's do it. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I I can't disagree. Uh, Obviously, Sabalenka seems like she's got a nice spot, right? Originally, I thought Danielle could give her problems, and then you did remind me that that she is um, suffering a tad. The only thing I could say is against Sabalenka, that's not a player that's going to draw you into like some three-hour match. Maybe she could get by. I thought that Danielle might have a good upset chance. Um, I do think she's going to have problems with whoever comes out of this little section above that. And I'm thinking if it's Elise, uh, I like Elise's ability to just keep getting the ball in play, you know, keep asking questions, keep forcing her to be on top of her game. You know, because all we need is one sort of little slip, and we've seen it all kind of snowball and, and get away from her real easily. I do think Elise has the game there, which is why, like, I agree with you. You've got a great job here with Krejcikova. Let's look at the people that we would be worried about in her, um, you know, top half of the quarter here. Uh, I'm not really worried about her little section at all, right? Conta, I guess, I guess. Is she 100% though? I, I don't no, think she is. I don't is. think so, no. No, she's been pulling in and out of tournaments. She's so. had COVID in, in her team. I don't know if she's had it, but people in her team have had it, and that's been kind of a struggle. Right. Uh, you mentioned Alexandrova, our issues with her. She's a one-match-at-a-time type of player, and we'll take advantage of those individual matchups where we think that she does well. We're not betting her on the outright market. My guess is for the rest of 2021. Uh, that would be my guess, that, that you will not hear her on this podcast being bet as an outright until next season. Let's flip she's the calendar. Okay. 
get back to her. Um, Vika, you know, she can always redline here, and I think that she can give her problems. And the other player that can redline, of course, is Garbine because Garbine's best is top five. Grand Slam capable of winning, right? The, the issue is how often do we see Garbine's best? 25, 30% of the time? Then she's able to win at 80%, the other 30% of the time. And then there's the other 40 where everybody's treaty, uh, tweeting Mugu useless, right? Because it's either Mugu ruthless or Mugu ruthless, useless. Yeah. And you get that 40% of the time. Um, so obviously, you know, when placing the bet, but at the number you're getting, it's you go over the, my little ones, which aren't very scientifically done, right? But you're getting great value there for Krejcikova. Unfortunately, you know, I'd love to go skip Bayless first take and, and try and go against you here and manufacture an argument. But I, I think that you've got um, the best path and the best bet out of this quarter. What do you think here, John? How do you see this quarter shaking out? I mean, is it going to be Sabalenka, Krejcikova, or is there anybody that can kind of upset that apple cart, as I like to say? I've labeled this as the quarter of potential. I think you, know, <laughs> you talk about players, if they're playing their best, who could win this quarter? Sabalenka, Collins, if healthy. Uh, Jabour could win this quarter. At least Mertens at her best could win this quarter. The problem for Mertens is she doesn't like playing big hitters, and holy crap is this quarter chock full of them. Um, so that's a little bit of disadvantage. But Garbina could win at her best. Vika Azarenka at her best wins this quarter. Um, you know, Krejcikova at her best, as we've seen this year, wins this quarter. There's a, There are a lot of players within this quarter that could go on to win it um, when they're at their best. And, you know, I don't want to be any part of it. I don't want to try and guess which one does so. Uh, I like to try and look at it as if they're if everyone's performing well, who advances? And that to me is like, again, it, it's so tough to pick uh, among all those players. So I've passed on outrights in this quarter. Uh, Alex, do you have the one where it just you bet what quarter the winner's coming out of? Because my guess is that Ash would be the favorite there in round one, but round four might be worth a punt if it's plus 150 or more. Wait, sorry, what, what market are you talking about again? It's which quarter will win the tournament. Winning the quarter, yeah. quarter, I looked at this earlier, and I, I kind of did the math on that. They were right around uh, plus 300 or 3 to oh, 1. Wow. If I you go and put it all it. together, it's not. It doesn't, look, it doesn't actually look that good. Um, okay. Hmm. start to put again some of the other names that are out there i mean it depends on how you feel you know i haven't gone through and kind of built in some of my edges i just started doing some market comparison stuff and betting the outrights would be a little better than putting it together like that but you're right spread that did catch my eye that's a good one way to know way uh, to know what i'm looking at what what would you say sabalenka barty uh as a final would be priced barty minus 200 um because you gotta think if she makes the final she's gonna look good She'll probably look better, like highlight wise and just spectator wise, than Barty. Trying to think when the last time they played was. I'm going to see if I can pull it up and see the prices on Odd Portal, but I don't think that's entirely out of line. I mean, what were you thinking, John? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, I don't think it's too too bad. Probably somewhere in that range. Taking a look. Well, this was in Madrid, which is on clay. That was in the final there. They were lined right about even. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. And then in Germany, again, in Stuttgart, again, on clay, but faster conditions. Indoor, Chris, yeah, was exactly. minus 137. So it might be close. It's probably closer than that based on what the market's telling us. I mean, clay's not either one of their best surfaces, but hmm. that kind of oh. give you a range there. All right. So from an outright perspective here, flipping through, there was a, a ton for us. You know, again, my outrights were Samsonova 150 to 1, Kerber 45, Rybakina. 33 and Krejcikova 22 with a handful of other fun stuff in there. Um, John, what did you end up picking? I can't remember if you ended up with any full tournament outrights. 
Uh, just Zachary quarter and Samsonova quarter for this for their quarter. They're both in the same one, same section even. So it's just I'm trying to target that little section uh, and get one of those players into a quarter where I can try and uh, you know extract some equity from uh, from that position. Sounds great. What do you think, Spread? I bet Simona at plus thirty six sixteen. Give me that respect, bookmaker. It's plus three thousand right now. Wow. <laughs> and I bet oh. it d- during this podcast, so it's not like it's had. It's there. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> Go get it. Well, that sure is a thing. All right, guys, let's jump into the first round matches here. We'll start with Victoria as a rank of minus six twenty five or one point one six against Teresa Martinkova plus. 436 or 5.36. I looked long and hard at the underdog and just didn't quite have enough time to dot the I's and cross the T's, John. I assume we're, you're going to join me here and we're back in Martin Koba, Martin Sova, depending on who you ask. Yeah, for me, it's – it's. Um, look, I said I like to give players credit uh, in the outright perspective if they're playing their best. I think that's – but match to match, uh, I think you do have to factor in the, the fluctuations. Martin Sova is, is fairly – um, rock solid from the baseline. She did play up until I think yesterday and she retired yesterday in Chicago against Peterson. So that is something to be wary of. I, I don't know if I'm going to take uh, the money on here. I'll probably take the plus games, if anything, in case there's another retirement uh, in the wings. But if she is 100% and that was like a precautionary heat related issue. That's what I um, heard. Okay. If, if that's the case, look, it's going to be sweltering in New York too, I assume. So it's not like, you know, that still is going to be something to look at and factor into your pricing and your models. But I certainly think that plus games here could be a look at Look, I, I just, I still think Vika is being priced as like the Aussie open champion of mm-hmm. yesteryear uh, consistently. And I don't think she's that player anymore. I don't think she was last year. I don't think she is this year. So I do think that looking to a poser is still going to continue to be something that I do. Who do you think okay. the books overvalue more Petra or, or Vika? Vika. Either. Match to match, Petra, Vika. Petra's, the, getting, the, Petra's well, getting close to me. On the outright market, um, I think Kvitova is always um, given a, a more expensive, pr- uh, more expensive price to back. So, uh, outright market, I would say Petra. But it, match to match, I think Vika gets uh, far more respect. Uh, sorry, a, is more overvalued than Petra is. Okay, here's a better answer, Mukarusa. <laughs> I'm done with this. Her being a top ten favorite to win all these tournaments, but we progress. Danielle Rose Collins minus 385 or 1.26 against Carla Suarez Navarro in her retirement tour. Suarez Navarro out to almost three to one or 4.0 or plus 300, depending on how you like your odds. Uh, what were you thinking here, Spread? I was going to lay the games, but I, I forgot about the injury. With the injury, do I, do I just scratch this off the list? And assuming she was healthy, I was right to lay the games, right? Yeah, I, I think so. If Danielle Collins can can hit some, you know, forehand, I know, you know, cross court is a safer play in longer rallies, but if she can try and open up a little more down forehand to Carla's backhand, I, Carla's got a rock solid one hander, right? She's got one of the better ones we've seen on the women's tour. But uh, with Danielle's power, if she can rush it, I mean, she's really going to have a nice uh, style matchup there. But again, yeah, the, the uncertainty around the injury, and if there's one player you don't want to play with a bad hip that's going to limit your movement. Yeah. It's a grinder who can move the ball back and forth around the court from both wings and extend rallies. So that is not the stylistic matchup you want if Danielle is, in, in fact, still hurt. Yeah, you don't want to be playing somebody like that with a hip injury. Alizé Cornet playing Alms Jabor. Um, Cornet plus 280 or 3.8. Jabor minus 357 or 1.28. I've been circling some Cornet bets, but already placed a fairly decent wager on the over here. I have to double check the number I got, but I think they hung like 20 or 20 and a half or something this morning, which 
is preposterously low to me. I think this total should be 21, if not 21 and a half. So I like the over here quite a bit. Was there any angles for you guys here to add? Uh, what's the over two and a half sets price? Because I feel like this is either a big right down. plus one fifty five plus one sixty. I'd, I'd rather go there. Um, this has like there are again if we if we take this in a macro scale run if you were run a thousand simulations, I would guess that you'd see like eight like seventy eighty percent of the time you're either getting a beat down from Shabur or three sets. I don't see it a, a lot of seven five seven six two set you know uh, covering the over in two sets in this matchup. Cornet also playing a long week and uh, plenty of three setters this week in Chicago. Uh, that's something to keep in mind. Now, she isn't someone who really – fatigue is something that's going to be a concern with her. I think she's very athletic. Her her game style kind of – she has off. to be, right? And you get the days off as well. Uh, but I, I still don't think you want to be playing Alt Shabur and that serve um, coming off of uh, a long week. And I think she's still going. I think she's – I know she was playing today yeah. for sure in the semis. Yeah, uh, but she's playing she Kreteva right now. If I, right, and if, they're in a third if, set. If again. I was looking up, that was what yeah. I was watching, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's that's in the third set again for Cornet. She played Vondi in three yesterday. By the way, you mentioned Vondi's throw in the outright market. Look to oppose her as often as possible. She was clutching her her knee all throughout that third set. Not something you want to happen uh, have happen if you are a grinder, someone who moves the ball around the court, extends rallies like her. Not exactly the injury you want um, with that game style. Uh, but she played three against Ann Lee. She played three against Vondrasova. She's she played twenty three games in two sets against Paolini. She's playing three today. Like, I mean, even with the days off, even with her being athletic, it's not something I'd want to be doing the week before a slam. When I look at the draw for the US Open, see I'm playing Ons Jabour in the first round. And again, the heat might catch up with Jabour as the matches progress, but I don't think it's going to hit her hard in the first match. Uh, right. Yeah. And I mean, even when she pukes on court, like she did in Miami twice, she won both those matches and she won both of the next matches as well. So it's a little bit of, she plays possum, I think with that, uh, that not liking the heat. So look, I, I'm not looking to, to, to oppose on in this spot with Cornet. I'll probably just stick with my over there. Uh, so I, I think it's Cornet or pass there. I think that, that one it's thing. Yeah, that, exactly. That's true. Yep. Because. Cornet's not going to get this screwed up by all those slices and all those things that owns like to do. Like yeah, that's what team. young players fall for. Right. I think Cornet's going to feel quite comfortable against it. Um, I personally won't be playing it, but um, I, I do think it's a tad bit mispriced uh, in the favor of Jabor. And you know that I'm a big Jabor fan, but um, you know, I think I, I like the way the Cornet's kind of gaining some momentum this week and she's not going to get thrown off by all the junk balling and things like that. And I think that she can, uh, at least test her here. Uh, I won't be getting involved, but I do believe that Cornet probably has a little value. I'm going to see when they schedule this match, and I think a, a lot of whether or not I play Cornet will be based on that. But again, the total there looks way short to me. Serena Diaz plus 206 or 3.06 against Amanda Anasimova. Anasimova minus 256 or 1.39. Anna starting to play some better tennis, might finally get a chance to be back into a little bit of form by the end of the year. I don't, I'm hoping, I'm praying. I mean, Dias has been playing. I mean, what are you thinking here, John? I generally assume that you're you're back on the underdog in these kind of situations. Is that the plan? <laughs> yeah. Look, I think Anissi Mova's in, into a into a scenario where we're, we're looking to fade um, where applicable as often as possible. Um, I guess she did have that run in Montreal, but remember, two of those were qualifiers, and she needed three to beat Madison Inglis. Not the most reassuring win. Um, close one against Raki Mova, who's not you know, necessarily the best on, uh, you know, against bigger hitters. She's not a big hitter herself, and she can be hit off the court. That was only 7-6-6-4. She got the retirement from Martinsova, um, and then she beat Osan Dodane. No real quality wins despite reaching the third round. Four wins at the Montreal Masters. 
uh, none of them really reassuring or or really resume building when something that to say, hey, she's back. Loses to Pliskova, 6-1 in that first set. I was on her in that match. And then, you know, she she was she was out of it. And she found a random break back in the second set to get it to a tie break uh, before uh, succumbing in that one. So, look, it, it's just not the greatest run in Montreal. She beats Nuria Parizas-Diaz in three sets. Uh, I'm, I'm high on Parizas-Diaz. Probably, I probably consider her better win than most. But again, like, is that someone you're gonna you're gonna look at as as um, as a signature win? No. So then she loses to Jules Niemeyer. That was a retirement this week. Four love down in the third, coming off a retirement again the week before a slam. We have to take that with a grain of salt, right? We don't know if potentially that's just yep. her. All right, I'm out. Yeah, I'm four love down. I'm not gonna grind my way back to try and come from two breaks down the week before a slam. I'm done. Just end it here. Uh, but I'm gonna take DS in some capacity, probably plus sets, because we have seen a lot of players that are less talented than Anisimova lately take sets off her. She has not been in good form when you put it into context, even with her wins. I'm not sold yet on her. Uh, and Diaz is someone who doesn't mind the pace coming at her. She'll redirect. She's got a decent serve herself, and she's sneaky competent on hard courts. So yeah, I'll be looking to back Diaz in some capacity. I, I, I don't mind that bet at all. Storm Sanders minus one fifty nine or one point six three against Masaki Doi plus one thirty. Storm Sanders has been a nice player for me this year, kind of beaten up on you know lesser players like this. I didn't play the money line, but instead laid the two and a half games. I think this should be closer to th- almost three and a half games here. So happy to lay the spread there. Did you guys have anything to add? Uh, I bounce back and forth on this one. Uh, I, I look at for me, it's like man, I'm getting Masaki Doi against someone who hasn't really proven all that much on hard courts, plus one thirty five, and she's a pretty consistent player. Then on the other hand, I look at Storm and I say, oh, I really like. I only have to I have to lay under three games here. Um, I think Storm should be the favorite. I'm just not decided yet on how much of a favorite. This is one where I cannot wait to run uh, numbers, see what uh, I get from that to help make me, you know, to make it a bit more decisive because I'm really indecisive on this right now. Um, and I could make a case for both players. It's probably going to be a pass for me, but uh, but we'll see what what uh, the tail of the tape is or what the, the numbers spit out. Georgie Halop, Georgie even money, Halop minus 120 or 1.83. Spread, you bet you doubling down here, Halep out, yeah, Halep first round. I mean, you know, in, in the proverbial, let's say you have to choose one player to beat Camilla Georgie or you lose your life, you're picking Simona Halep. It's the perfect game to beat Georgie here. So I'm picking Camilla I- Georgie because then I can't lose. Camilla Georgie beats Camilla Georgie. I'm live. Okay, so John. John is just uh, as the genie. John's just wish for more wishes on the genie. (laughs) Regardless, right? You guys understand my point, right? Simona's Simona's the perfect player here um, to put Georgie to the test. Here, I I think it's going to be fantastic, and I think the only way I lose this bet is she's not 100 percent healthy. So, um, you know, I'll place the bet. You know, I if she. You know, she withdrew pre-match last time, right? So, you know, hopefully if she's not 100%, she withdraws pre-match. I get it refunded, you know. Um, but other than that, I, I think it's worth it. I mean, really, if she's healthy, what is this line? Minus 220? Maybe a little bit less uh, than that. No. Georgie's been playing. Yeah, yeah, minus 150, minus 140 maybe. But not, no, I don't you guys really think so? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll Look, I, I, a little bit. I almost want to take Georgie here. But I think I think you're right. If you like her outright, you have to double down here. Like you can't say I like her to win outright at her number and then get a pick 'em in her first match against yeah. someone who who her consistency could trouble if she yeah, goes, yeah. you know, she reverts you're in to being for a penny or in for a pound. Right. Yeah, you have That's to. So I, I understand that. But I think Eileen Georgie, the over might be a good look here too. 
Hey, don't mind that. Three sets, maybe pick some one, two, one. Speaking of overs, Andreescu is minus 250 against Goliovich here, 1.4 against 3.0. They hung a total right around 20 or so. I think that's a great over. Again, Andreescu loves playing some of these long matches. I know she's not quite herself, but Goliovich has the serve in the game to hold and make this long. I think we're going to have a 7-5, maybe a 7-6. I might look into some tiebreakers. I will probably be live betting the crap out of people to win sets 7-5 and things like that. So everything for me adds up to an over here. Did you guys like anything in this match either? Yeah, Two out of four I agree. Players. You, you don't like the way the goalie bitch has been playing lately? Uh, when's, her, when's her last win? Uh, I'll double check. I thought uh, it was. It hasn't been as good since week. grass season. I think a lot of people are carrying that over, that kind of form from that end. Yeah, but... she's two and four. Some are hard courts. She beat okay. Mar uh, Maria Camila Osorio Serrano on a hard court. Is not an impressive okay. win. Right. And those are her only two wins. Once at the Olympics, once in Chicago. Um, then she lost to Osaka routinely, Bedosa routinely, Farrow 6-2, love Interesting scoreline there. Uh, set under is better as we're making a lot of money on that one. And then Peterson, uh, who is better than people give her credit for, but still a straight sets loss for Rebecca Peterson on a hard court is, is not like the best loss. So, yeah, I'm not going to back over. Much. Yeah, it? overs. Was it 20, overs, 20 and a half? Yeah, maybe I was getting like her mixed up with Tykeman, excuse me. Now, this is spread. This is one you wanted to talk about. One that I've actually already bet. Suwei oh, Shea, or Shea Suwei, depending on um, how you like to pronounce it. It's got Claire Lou here. This is a very odd line for me. Um, Shea, right around even money. Claire Lou, minus 125 or 1. 1.8. I was able to grab Shea at plus 105 earlier. I still like her at even money. I have her as a favorite in this match, so I was a little confused. How about you, Spread? Yeah, I agree. Like Claire Lou is one of those players that, that we all expected um, to make the next leaps, and it just hasn't happened. Uh, of course, she can flash that brilliance here and there, but I'm not betting on it happening. Um, Shay is not my favorite to back on hard courts, but the fact that she's playing an inexperienced young player who's not used to you know, dealing with all the stuff that Shay is going to provide, I think it's a great matchup for, for the veteran here. Um, you know, against Shay, especially against young players, that that's when we like to back her, right? Against the other veterans that are like, oh, yeah, you're going to slice my backhand like whoop de doo you know? Um, but uh, I, I agree with you here. I think Shay's the right play. Sounds like John's on board with this as well. This is a really odd line to me. Really odd. I don't have her as a favorite. I have her as a substantial favorite for my first look. Now, the form, I'm, I'm certain that... It won't be as big of a bet as you know my first impression because her form form does weigh in heavily through my process and her form hasn't been good. So I'm I'm certain the numbers will spit out something that will help rein me in from making this like a four or five unit backs bet. Uh, but I, I'm certain that I will have her as a favorite regardless. It's now plus one hundred seven at Pinnacle, plus one ten at Bet Hard. Um, so I mean, you're like that price just seems to continue. I don't know why people love clearly you here. I, I don't understand it. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be on Shay in some capacity. Even my numbers don't like it. I don't care. I'm betting her anyway. It's tough. I might go back and honestly add a little bit more. I mean, I don't have Shay as a huge favorite just because, like in general, there are certain players that have a cap on. I'm not sure, sure. That given her physical inabilities, if you will, to hit certain shots, that she should really ever be minus 200 over a solid WTA tour player. But this is not really what we're looking at. I mean. Right. at least minus 150 in this situation, something like that. So play Shay, definitely grab the money line there and, and look for some other stuff as we add on. The aforementioned match of the American women, something that we would have been thrilled to see three years ago, not so much here, although one of the two has been playing a little bit better lately. Madison Keys, a favorite here, minus 143, 1.7 against Sloan Stevens, plus 120 or 2.2 .2 for Stevens. I've already backed Stevens. I think she's been playing some solid tennis these last few weeks, and I can't remember the last time Madison Keys looked good 
at all on a tennis court. So, I mean, what do you think here, Spread? I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm on the dog. Give me Sloaner. It's so rough for me not to to jingle my my Grand Slam keys here, but but I can't. So <laughs> I'm not betting it. I, I do think that that if this was minus one ten, I would bet Madison here, but it's not. And also. Maybe I wouldn't because the matchup is so good for Sloan too. This is the exact type of player that Sloan wants to play. Here's so, a question: yeah, spread. Pace really well, yeah. yeah. Spread. When's the last time Madison Keys won a set? Won a set? Yeah. Wimbledon. Correct. Yeah. Oh, Wimbledon. Okay. <laughs> I, I was gonna say grass season. And I said no to Wimbledon. Yeah. Like Wimbledon is grass season. It's the yeah, pinnacle of grass season. She, she beat Mertens first round in Cincinnati, right? Beat Mertens two zero, then loses two zero Galubich, two zero Zhang in San Jose, two zero Rebecca Marino in Montreal, and two zero to Kvitova in Cincinnati. Who qualified today, by the way. And Mar- Marino's going to be a player that, like you know, we just write off these qualifiers when we're doing our outrights. I think she's got a chance to make the second round. Speak for yourself, man. No, there's no discredit to <laughs> I love Rebecca Marino. No, no I love Rebecca to her, but. Madison Keys or the Madison Keys, especially the way she's being priced, yeah. should smack Rebecca Marino, and she did not. So happy to go against her here. I think that'll be a yeah. fun match. Um, Coco Golf against Magdalenette. I don't think I have to really tell you too much other than it's a Coco Golf match. What are we doing, guys? Over. Over. We're going <laughs> over. We're going over. Lynette's been really competitive. She has put out some solid hardcore numbers this year and has been a true pest. I mean, there is a chance, you know, again, we got to talk through all the scenarios. Goff just wins this 6-2-6-2 and just comes out and just crushes her because she is on some sort of ascension path that's honestly just hard to compare to anybody. She just keeps getting so much better. But it's a 17-year-old. It's round one of the U.S. Open. She hasn't played great tennis lately, and we know she is someone to kind of flub a set, and I think that we could see Lynette even come back down a break, steal a set 7-5, something like that. So any total under 21, we're going over. And I think they hung a 20. I even got can, you, can you name me her two best wins on hard courts this year? Magic Daria Casatina by far and away was her best one on a hard court this week, yesterday, 6-1-6-2, in which spread mentioned it looked like Dasha just capitulated, was ready for New York, got her match win in, got to the quarters and said, okay, I'm ready for the slam. Outside of that, who's her best win on a hard court? Petra Martic. That's terrible. That's terrible. What's her best win? Robin Montgomery, a 16 or 17-year-old prospect. Uh, Leslie Padinama Kirkova. Amina Bektas and Linda Fruvirtova are her other outdoor hardcourt wins. And not named Marta Cherkasatina. I am I'm sorry, you and even last year, let's take a look at last year. Remember, she won that that run up to New York and like Brooklyn or something, and everyone's like, oh, maybe that won a tournament. Who did she beat? Or not uh, she she won Wa Win last year in February, but she beat Leonie Kung, Patricia Maria Teague, one of the Wongs, uh Peng Shui, and Katarina Bondarenko. Look, I I understand people liking Magda Lynette. I get uh, the success she's had, the tournament she won in New York. Where was this in New York? It was, yeah, she had to come through qualies. Dabrowski, Chang, Blinkova, Kanepi, Sastovich, Mahova, Sinyakova, and Georgie. Like, she doesn't beat elite players. And she's, like, she just doesn't on hard courts. She does pick up wins where she should. Sure. And you have to respect her for that. She's a solid top 50 player who beats the crap out of people ranked 50 to 150. But she's not beating Coco. Or I, now that I say this so definitively. Just say, did you just tell me Coco Goff was elite? I yeah. think you just yes, I do. Coco Absolutely. And he also said Georgie <laughs> was an elite going up against <laughs> elite Simona Halep. Let's go. We got him. We got him. I don't even care what happens. I got John to say that Coco Golf was elite. Moving on. She wasn't six months ago. 
210 or 3.1 against Joe Conta. Conta uh, minus 263 or 1.38. You hit it this earlier. You hinted at this earlier spread. It's hard to figure out what kind of shape Conta's in, what form she's in. We haven't seen her play very good tennis lately. And Mladenovic was winning some matches. So this, this for me was a huge pass. I don't know what to do with this. I don't really want to watch it. What's going on with this one, John? I, I didn't, I didn't want to get involved here. Mladenovic you checked it off. Oh, yeah, sorry, John did check this off. Never mind, John no. checked this off. Apparently, Mladenovic and who? Conta. Uh, Conta. Oh, I think I might, might have checked the wrong box and I was on the wrong road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, so. Too. We're not. Let's move on. on. Let's move Mahova. on. Yeah, we're yes, talking about sorry. this match. <laughs> My bad. Mahova, minus one sixty or one point six three against Tormo plus one thirty one. Thought about maybe betting Tormo here I, again. This is a scary place for me to be, given anyone that's listened to the podcast before yeah. last before this year. Tormo's been great on our courts. <laughs> um, just an absolute, you know, one eighty for me there. And I don't mind her as a dog here. But what are you guys thinking? Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to believe in Sarah Sribas Tormo. It's not in this matchup against someone who's not going to be bothered by long rallies. She's Mahova's got variety. She's got a decent serve. She's going to be the aggressor, and she's not error like super error prone. The the form hasn't been the, my my favorite, and that's concerning going up against Tormo. But I I, I can't get away from it. Tormo isn't is even is a pick'em, not even money. They're picking with Contivate today. The respect, I get the respect. I get she's done well, but man, it's like it's going way overboard in the markets. So, um, yeah, I, I oppose Tormo today for what it's worth when they play in Cleveland, and I'll oppose her probably again in the first round here against Mahova. Yeah, I agree with that. Makes sense. Now, this is a match I was excited. I almost bet this, John, and I hope you're going to tell me to do what I think you're going to tell me to do. Emma Navarro, plus 210 against Christina McHale, who's minus 263 or 1.38. What are we doing, John? I mean, are you really giving me plus 200 with a competent player against Christina McHale? This is a problem of books looked at her hardcourt success, and before this year, she had none. I mean, I think she uh, Emma Navarro literally had no wins last year on hardcourt, so she didn't play anyone good. I believe she was the women's NCAA champion this year. Um, out of the University of Virginia. Very competent player. We saw her surprise people in Charleston, where I think her dad actually owns the license to that tournament. So she played a lot of Charleston tournaments this year <laughs> from ITF level all the way up to the uh, WTA 500. Uh, but she she showed that, hey, I, you know, I may not have deserved this wild card before the tournament started, but once the tournament commenced, she justified it in the end. So um, good for her. She covered against Petkovic. I had her plus five plus six games there against Andrea Petkovic and she covered against Anna Bogdan. I believe um, that was a seven minus two five. No, I think she probably pushed or, or just missed against Bogdan, but she took a set off Bogdan as a big underdog for her to take a set is decent money. Um, and, and I do like her in this spot. And look, Christina McHale somehow is probably worse than Andrea Petkovic and Anna uh, Bogdan. And that's saying something against this level of competition. Navarro has proven to be fairly, competent um even on a hard court she's improved a lot i think that ncaa success uh ha has really helped her and uh, and pushed her to the next level so yeah i definitely think that you're looking at uh, plus games or, or plus sets and even potential money line here for emma navarro yeah it's close to navarro and i think I, i'm gonna get there she's just it's tough if you go back too far some of the generalized on more historical stuff but some of the late things were have been kind of positive and heartening, so it's good to hear you on board there. Now, Jasmine Paolini is a huge favorite, minus 770 over Shvedova uh, here. Shvedova um, plus 514, or almost 6-1. to one. What do you think here, John? Um, yeah, I, I think dog again. 
because um, look, Paulini shouldn't be this big of a favorite. She actually was competent somewhat, but uh, in, in her last couple of matches on hard, but Shvedova is coming back, I think from either motherhood or pause or semi-retirement coming back uh, has been a, shown a little more signs mm -hmm. of life lately. So definitely I'll be looking to, to find some plus games. She should find plenty of breaks against Paulini's serve. So even if she's not able to serve or hit big, um, and take it to Paolini. I think she'll find enough breaks to keep uh, to keep this this match close enough to, to play the spreads. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Next match, uh, Bernarda Pera, minus 119 or 1.84 against the Danzig, minus 101 or 199. What are you thinking here, spread? I like the Danzig here. I know that you know she's a clay quarter or whatever, but I still think that she's much better than Bernarda Pera. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this? I would look. To, I might look at the over here because uh, one of the over strategies I want to employ more is the contrast of styles. If each player can exert their style for a set, um, you know you're you're pretty much sold on going over. Zidanecik, the more rock solid player. Para, obviously the more aggressive player, the bigger strokes, um, probably better suited to hard courts, but very very erratic. So I could see this going three sets, and I, I'd probably look to take it over. Or you know, DogML works in that case too. If you're going to go three sets, you'd rather be on the dog. All right. Yeah, it was tough. Um... Uh, yeah, it was tough. I thought about the over, but it's just a really hard match to tie down. Like you said, spread. Neither of these women have, have been playing terribly well, especially on hard courts. Uh, Rybakina minus 625 against Sasnovich. Uh, that's 1.16. Sasnovich plus 434 or 5.34. I have a feeling that John likes Sasnovich. Yeah, sets. Plus sets, I'll, I'll be on. I think I alluded to that earlier. It's $2.44. I think that's plenty of, of room uh, knowing Sasnovich's style. Uh, and knowing her ability to redline, I think that's probably uh, a half-decent price. Obviously, I disagree, but we won't cover that. Sevastova playing Siniakova. Sevastova plus 163. Siniakova minus 200. Kind of an aggressive price on Siniakova, but Sevastova has kind of fallen back in a poor form. What were you thinking, Osprey? Uh, I'm still going by my old my old uh, adage. Siniakova as a favorite, fade. So okay. I know Sevastova's in bad form, but Sinikova's bad form can show up even when she's hit 10 aces and four winners. So uh, at that price, I think Sevastova has value. I don't know. What do you think, John? Well, I want nothing to do with this match. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's fine. really hard to pin down. I mean, we're in the Sinikova zone where she should never be this big of a favorite. I thought about maybe an over, but I also thought about maybe an under. Like, it's this, this just, there's too much to unpack yeah. here. Uh, a very closely lined match. Another one that's kind of tough for me to figure out here. Uh, Martina Trevisan plus 129 against Coco Vandaway. Vandaway minus 155 or 1.64. What were you thinking here, Spread? Yeah, maybe my blind first round fades are getting out of control, but uh, Coco has not looked like a WTA level player um, since her return. Uh, of course, she had the infamous warm up. You guys saw that one, right? Where she yeah, Landisville. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just there's nothing about her that, that makes what me hell say. Was that? She had asked her opponent's coach to warm up with her, which is allowed, and the coach refused. So that was kind of her way of being petty. Oh, uh, yeah. but so regardless, she had yeah. she had like a heat stroke issue, or like she was really bothered by the heat and didn't want to spend ten minutes hitting in the heat yeah. as a warm up. I think it's somewhat reasonable. The problem is Coco tends to be the person, and like I do this too sometimes. You can ask for something reasonably in a very unreasonable tone. And she strikes me as someone who probably didn't go up and say, excuse me, you know, I'd really appreciate it if. It strikes me as someone who would, she strikes me as someone who would say, just warm up with your coach. I don't want to warm up right now. You know what I mean? And yeah. then they'll say, screw you. They have the right to refuse and say, no, you have to warm up with me. And Coco is the petty type of person who would do what she did. So uh, there's probably blame to go around there for uh, for multiple <laughs> um, people. 
I mean, that means that Trevesan is, is probably a fade too. So it's almost oh, like the greater of, of of the fades, right? <laughs> I'll be on. I'll be on Vanderway here. Oh, okay, so we'll be opposite on this. this we'll be, be opposite. Fun. Yeah. All right. This is. I might end up with an over there. That was another one that I need to go back and look at. But last match to cover: Heather Watson minus one twenty or one point eight three against Kai Yuvon. Yuvon even money. Yuvon was somebody we liked to back about a year or so, maybe a little further mm-hmm. back. Has kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. Has been playing a little better tennis. But Watson is someone that is generally competitive in tournaments and things like this. She actually does kind of okay when it comes to hard court season, grabs enough ranking points to kind of keep herself afloat. What were you thinking here, Spread? I like Yuvon here. Uh, you know, plus 100, slight, slight uh, underdog. Um, I'll go ahead and take the chance to just keep fading Heather Watson, who I haven't been impressed with. Even when she wins, she doesn't really look that good this year. So that was my angle on this one. Yeah, she looked half she looked half decent um, on hard courts before that injury, um, before matching against Srivas Tormo that really derailed her season, took a month off, month and a half off, came back, didn't really look the same for quite a while until Wimbledon. Um, where you know she beat Benchich, but she, at that point she was in such bad form, like coming off a loss to Asia Muhammad mm-hmm. in Berlin qualies that she was priced at like five dollars seventy-five cents, beats Benchich in straight, beats Burrell, which is a half decent win. Loses to Goff, but you know she just hasn't looked great since returning to tour. But I, I think I'm with spread here. I mean, she's shown competence on her court before. She has a nice game, and getting to fade Heather Watson with plus money with a talented youngster, competent on the surface. I don't know how you say no. That's it. That's all we got. It's all the tennis I have to talk about. And spread tells me if we talk for another 13 minutes, we yeah. can't actually put this out on podcast. <laughs> so that's it, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Almost two hours of terrific tennis talk. We'll be back. Make sure you follow us all on Twitter. We'll be tweeting all sorts of stuff out. Spread did a tennis video for Run Pure the other day. Was it the first tennis video ever in the history of Run Pure, Spread? I think it's the third or fourth, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an August thing only. <laughs> I like that. You're breaking it out. Again, spreads and spread of stare. John at JR tweets tennis, myself at underscore noops. We'll be around all week. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Like, rate, review, comment. We'll try to do something midway. We have got a 50-50 hit rate on that. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Until then. <laughs> Good luck in all. And if you're John, this could be more than 50. All your way. <laughs> all. <laughs>